Christmas Falls. We are back at you. This is episode two, season two, second time around of the second time around. Speaking of second time around, I have been given a second chance, folks, a second chance at a friendship, a friendship I've very, very much enjoyed. Oh, uh, 25 years ago, I went to high school with my friend Nick DiGaetano, and he is here today. Why is he here? Why is my high school friend on my Smith Falls podcast? Because he moved to Smith Falls. How about that? All by chance, all by chance. Nick and I had not chatted other than the odd Facebook message random here and there over the years, barely over the years. We just didn't keep up. It gets so hard. And then he moved here just last October. I caught wind of it. I sent him a message. I helped him move in and it's like no time has gone by. It's the same old Nick, a little more wise, a little more mustached, but uh, the same Nick, the same heart. I'm so glad to have him back and to have his friendship back. And I'm glad that he is here in this community because Nick is a multi-talented individual. He is a music guy, a theater guy, a puppeteer. He is a sound designer. He is a all-around creative, creative person who likes to make things, things you've never seen before, things you've never heard of before, things that will intrigue you. And he has a lot to say. We talked for a while, so I'm going to get right to it and stop wasting time. But first, just a quick moment to mention our sponsors. Season two of Smith Falls On, a Smith Falls podcast, is brought to you by Say Two Bakery. Over in the historic Rito Hotel, they make good food. You want to go get some bread? You want to go get some scones? You want a coffee in the morning? You want a great breakfast? You want a great lunch? You want to sit on one of the best patios in town? Go check out Say Two. You will not, not regret doing so. Second up is Howard Kelford and Dubois. Right downtown, Main Street, community, law practice. They can help you with whatever your needs are. If it's real estate, family law, legal aspects of your business, whatever you need done, they are there to help. And Last but not least, Andrus Independent Grocer. Huge supporters of the community and of this podcast. Thank you so much, Andrus Grocers. Big supporter of local products at their beautiful grocery store. Feed me. Love it. Andrus Grocer. Thank you so much. And without further ado, my conversation with the multi-talented, very interesting blast from the past for me and blast for the future. Nick DiGaetano. Many things in the world is gross. Yogurt is gross. You know, he like kind of listed off these things, and the last thing he did was this sound. It's gross. You try, and then the whole audience is just going like, as he like conducts. I think the it's not so bad if you do it really fast. I think the slower you do yeah. it, the worse it is. Ugh, that's a whole YouTube genre, you know. ASMR, yeah. Yeah, ASMR. What does that stand for again? Uh, audio Stimulation Masturbation Righteousness. That's the... Uh, that's right. The sense is like, of, like how the you, tingle on the back of your neck. That's right. When your hair stands when you, when you hear something or, yeah. or feel or see something that you find. Tantalizing in that way. I don't like it. ASMR in general? Yeah. I do not go in for that shit. Yeah, I certainly don't go in for mouth-smacking sounds. Any kind of ASMR. Like, I'm really like, I'm not looking for the tingles on the back of my neck. That's not a sensation that I enjoy in my life. So. No, I No. 
I feel it sometimes from music. No, like a really nice piece of music, like makes the back of my neck tingle. No, I always cry if it's a good piece of music. I always get mm-hmm. like teary here, you know, very like. Difficult. Even if it's like a like a really aggressive comeback kid song, you like you cry. Sure, I mean if yeah. it, if that's a fucking sick breakdown, why not, right? <laughs> oh boy, God, it's so sick! It's so sick. <laughs> Oh my God, can you see how fucking crunchy those guitars are? Can you hear it? So, so you missed the show on the weekend. Yeah, I know. My friends were in town. And I was like, come on, let's go to the night market. My friend's playing. And they're like, we came for a campfire. And I was yeah. like, you know, fair enough. Then, yeah. Can't be everywhere. Can't be everywhere. It was hard to be everywhere this weekend. It was a very uh, busy weekend. Yeah, uh, at the powwow. Pow- went to the powwow. Uh, what felt- time did you go to the powwow? Saturday? Yeah, it went Saturday. Uh, Teddy, my wife, my beautiful wife, wanted to go uh, early so that we could see the flag ceremonies and stuff. Yeah. So we went for all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was great. So we showed up about 1230. Oh, I must have just missed you. Yeah. I mean, because we were there till, well, we were there till almost two. Yeah. You know? We left at like 1130. Oh. We were there super early. You were there super early. Yeah, I had to be over at Russell Street for like 3 p.m. Right, right. So I hit the powwow and then uh, made a brief appearance over at Paddlefest to check it out. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I missed Paddlefest, yeah. but they went by my house. Right. Uh, the, With the night paddle. Went yeah. by my house. Yeah. Well, we're doing a podcast. hey Yeah. I hit record a while ago. Oh, you did great. That's good. Yeah. Everybody wants the preamble. So, Nick DiGaetano. Living in Smith Falls. Did you ever think you'd live in Smith Falls? I mean, I, clearly at one point you did. Never. Sometime after you bought the house, probably. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even still, it's been we've been there for eight months, and I'm like... I still live in Smith Falls. Is this where we live? It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the feeling. I know the feeling for sure. Cause I, I still have that feeling. I'm, I'm three and a half years deep now. Yeah. That's hard to believe. Three and a half years deep that you've three lived Three and here. a half years deep. Two it's and really, a half of those years were locked indoors. So yeah, it doesn't really yeah, count. Yeah. Over two were COVID. So yeah. Yeah. And then we moved here and immediately had like a winter lockdown. So we didn't even get to, mm-hmm. you know, go out and look at anything. Plus, you got a little guy that keeps you pretty locked down one way or the other. Yeah, he's very, uh, well, you know, you have two children when they're yeah. that young. Yeah, yeah. They not just like, like your little guy keeps you more locked down than other little guys. Get in the fucking basement, Papa! <laughs> Anybody moves, I'll fucking kill him! <laughs> That's what he's doing these days. Uh, no, they just require more care and more attention than, uh, you know, than uh, you're maybe used to giving as a single person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of my life is childcare. Yeah. But I've been looking forward to this for a while. I've been meaning to have you out for a while. I'm excited to be able to sort of tell the town your story. Yeah. I'm also interested and excited to actually learn more of your story. Because, I mean, we go way back, but there's a big gap there. And I've been filled in, like, in a very loose, gray way. It's difficult to get fully filled in when you only chat at a bar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, We got a little more... uh, more peace that's right here. a little more direct lines of each other's voices injected into our ears and heads i don't have to yell so much it feels good yeah that's yeah, good it's actually i i really like talking to people like this because what what the listeners don't know is that we both have headphones on yeah even though we're in the same room and we should be able to hear each other it's this way you get to hear hear yourself in the mic get to control whether you're well you Hear that, folks? Mm. Uh, 
<laughs> just imagine we sat here for like two hours doing that. Wow, this podcast has really gone downhill. I mean, I don't know, man. Pair that with a visualizer. I think a lot of people on uh, certain substances would be really down. I'll just have to start uploading to YouTube. That's Hashtag right. ASMR. That's yeah. right. So I went to high school with Nick. I went to high school with Nick and then... Technically middle school too. Middle school, yeah. Yeah. Middle school and high school. But we were buds in high yeah, school. Absolutely. I mean, we knew I th- we knew each other yep. in middle school, but it was like grade seven, grade eight. So it was there was quite a dichotomy there. Never the like two shall meet. Eights. There was not a not a big mingling no. between the two that often. But very uh, stratified. But those ru- those those walls get torn down a little bit in high school, I think. Especially when you're only a grade apart. Yeah, and when you do something extracurricularly together, it really yeah. helps as well. Yeah, you know? we were on the punk scene together. We were on the punk scene, you, so that helps to you know. You were a, you were a drummer for disgruntled at one for a little while, very briefly. I'm I was a, a very bad drummer. I was a guest vocalist. Yeah. on Critical Mass for disgruntled, reaching critical mass, the critical mass. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that bit. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, and then you started, uh, and then there was Snuffleupagus and the All Wookie Band. Yeah, which was like a comedy punk hardcore band. Yeah, which was with Ian, our Ian mutual Boy, yeah. friend, and one of the only other people I still talk to from high school. Yeah. There's Ian and every once in a while I connect with Dan still. Dano. Oh yeah. You still see Dano. Yeah. Yeah, He was actually, he came to visit me here once. No. Last Mother's Day. That's last Mother's Day. He came to the arts hub and bought like one of our Mother's Day gifts, gift baskets. Drove all the way. He's he's got two kids, right? He's He's got got two kids, twins, twin terrors. They're like two little mini Dans. (laughs) Two of them. Um, He's doing good. He's doing good. He, he cycles a lot these days. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's an avid, avid cyclist. Always a good guy. He was always a good oh, guy. Solid, you know? dude. solid, solid dude. Solid dude. Uh, heart of gold. Uh, had a cool car. Yeah, I don't talk to many people from high school either. It's a it's a hard thing to keep up. You but know? Ian's the one who told me, who let me in on the fact that you were moving here. Because I hadn't seen Ian in many, many years either. Hadn't been in touch. But his mother comes to all my shows whenever mm. I perform in Ottawa. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I didn't know if you... But you, did, you got out to his wedding, didn't you? Nope. No, no, no. I thought you got out to his no, wedding. Wasn't did you it? see him out there? For some reason, I thought you had I was on him family vacation last summer. Uh, I see, I see. And uh, his mother had called me during the height of the pandy, you know, and was like, oh, Ian's turning 40. Can you make a video for him? And I said, oh, yeah, where is he living now? And she said, he's in Kelowna. And I was, oh, my God, I'm going to go there this summer on vacation, assuming that we're allowed to travel again. And we were allowed to travel, so we went there. And I knew I had to spend a week with my in-laws. And so I was like, let's see one of my friends before that happens. And Mm -hmm. It was really good to see him. He's like the same dude, you know, yeah, like yeah, loves, totally. loves to ski and sail and all that kind of stuff. He's been out to my house here. Of course. Yeah, of course. So we got to chatting, you know, and I said, oh, I looked at some property in Smith Falls. He said, you know, Connell lives in Smith Falls. I said, give me a fucking break. Come on. And then uh, very shortly after that, we bought a house here and uh, I got a rando text message from you. I guess yeah. he dropped my number. Yeah. So it was great. It's like really nice to, you know, reconnect. And yeah. uh, I made him one of those birthday videos too. Did you? Oh yeah. I saw yours. Yours was yeah. really good. Mine yeah. was like just in my kitchen with a baby screaming in the background. Yeah. Mine was in this room. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. You want a drink? You want a beer? Mm, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. I, I brought one just for you. Just for me? Yeah. I, I can also drink water. No, no. I brought you a beer. You're a cool yeah. guy. Hold it. Oh, sit tight. This is where the podcast goes like. <laughs> oh, what is this? Did you make this beer? I didn't make it, no. Um, it's got your kid's name on it, though. That's funny. It does. That's why we bought it. The first time we ever bought it, we were like, hey, it's our kid's name, Mickey. And so we bought them to try them out, and we love them. The beer's good. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a Milwaukee 
Yeah. Brew, you know, in the, uh, oh, in the classic, like, uh, immersion cooled lager, uh, yeah. tradition. It's like, well, it, it's, it's, it's a stronger beer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not too strong by Canadian standards. It's 5.5%. But anything that strong in the States gets called it labeled a malt liquor. That's right. So in the States, it's Mickey's malt liquor, but up here, it's Mickey's beer. And the, uh, hmm. the cap has a puzzle. Oh, shit, dog. Yeah. Every single one has a different pictogram in it. Uh, mine's got like a picture of a chicken on it and some sort of, I can't really make it out in the light here. There's a B maybe and two. Here, let me see it. I'm old hat at these. You tell me what the solution is. You know what I really like about this beer? Actually, what I really appreciate is that the bottle is shaped like a barrel and the mouth hole is like super big. Very large. Yeah. They call them, uh, they call those bottles grenades. It makes sense. It's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So there's a W and then a chicken. What chicken? Oh. West chicken? Chicken. Oh, dear. This one is tough. West fowl? Fly. Uh, But what are those two icons? I I can't make it out. I don't understand. I've never... Usually, they reuse a lot of them, and I've never seen these. By the end of the episode, we'll have solved it. Yeah. Sometimes I have to look them up. This is great. Very drinkable. Yeah, it's nice. It's crisp. This podcast is sponsored by Mickey's Strong Beer. Oh, I wish. (laughs) I wish. Ah, delightful. So after Snuffleupagus, you started another band. Yep, it's called Roads to Shiloh. I regret the name now. Uh, It's just a bit too complicated and like convoluted, I think. But I was in high school, so I thought it was being very clever. Yeah. Uh, that kind of leaned more into the melodic hardcore sort of aspect of things. And, uh, lyrically it was all sort of about, uh, the deterioration of family farms. Mm. Uh, so put the lyrical content in a very sort of niche category as well. So I did that for a little bit and that was, uh, it was a good band to like cut my teeth with and figure out like, uh, you can't just use any amplifier you want Mm because your guitar will feed back, you know, and you can't, um, you know, becoming conscious of things like sound and how things uh, work in a room and bounce around, you know, and how to transport, you know, why does everybody need to have a giant stack with a giant, you know, Ampeg fridge? Why do you have to have all that stuff? Everybody has to have that stuff. It doesn't make sense, you know. Yeah. Now it doesn't make sense. But back then it was a, you know, a loudness war. Yeah. So did that for a while. Uh, and then Van Johnson. And then we did Van Johnson, which was, I just moved solely to vocals in that band. Oh, did you? Yeah. I guess I didn't realize so, that. Solely on vocals, two yeah. guitars, bass, and drums. And I was on vocals, but I also owned all the gear and owned the van. So I was like also the producer gotcha. and booker for the band for a lot yeah. of the time. Uh, and that was also, that kind of leaned into the, the screamo side of things. You know, we really liked white belts and, uh, black hair. Uh, we wore a lot of trucker hats in those days that had, Mm -hmm. uh, different things painted on them. Uh, and I think that was my most probably successful band of that sort of genre time. We got to tour a lot, you know, had a label for a little bit. Uh, crazy stuff happened to us in the three years that I was in that band. It's just, it was like... We had a website that was called vacationdrinkingteam.com. Like, we didn't take it seriously, but Mm -hmm. we took it seriously enough, I guess, that we were playing shows every other week. So uh, that was fun. But we also, you know, because I was screaming all the time, I felt like I was surviving on a mixture of um, alcohol and cough syrup Mm -hmm. and, like, not sleeping. And uh, that was fun. What a fun time. (laughs) What a fun time. So when did that wrap up? 
That wrapped up in 2003. We did a six-week tour of the United States uh, as the backline and opener for Swedish uh, screamo rockers Chaos Pilot or Chaos Pilot. Uh, and we drove, we did six weeks in the States, I think with two days off the entire time. And, uh, it just kind of broke my brain and yep. broke my body. And I remember we played our last show at ABC No Rio in, uh, New York. And, uh, I said to the guys, okay, I'm done. You dropped me off at the port authority. They were like, we're going to stay for 4th of July. And I was like, I don't want to fucking talk to you guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Take me to the port authority. I'll drive home overnight. Make sure you drop off my gear when you get back. And that's how that band ended. Right. Just sort of walked away from it all. You know, I think we played a show or two afterwards and they maybe even played a show without me. But uh that was it. That was I was kinda done with punk rock and all that sort of stuff after that. I can't remember. Was there anybody else in that band that I knew? Was uh, Dave was Dave in that the whole time? Dave the drummer? Uh, Is that Dave? Dave Secretary. Dave the, Secretary. Yeah, he yeah. was in that band. Uh, he was in that band. I still see that guy uh, all the time. I saw him like a couple years ago, a few uh, years ago. He was, playing, s- he was playing on another band called Big Dick. Big Dick. And they changed yeah. that name now to Warp Lines. They're not Big Dick anymore because right. people don't like it in this day and age, I guess. And, yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, times change. Uh, but his son is literally a week older than my son. So gotcha. we see each other yeah. a, a fair amount. And my wife and his wife are very good friends, uh, So or pretty good friends. So we see see them fairly often. Steve Lamb, you may remember Steve Lamb was in that band. Yeah, I remember Steve Lamb. Yeah, he's very internet famous, Yeah, uh, or was very internet famous, probably still is now. Oh, yeah, um, he was a punk Ottawa hero. That's right, punk yeah. Ottawa hero, Steve Lamb, uh, you know, knew the internets very, very well. A great fashion, you know, uh, Steve always had cutting edge taste in music, I thought. Uh, still a cool guy. I saw him, I saw him literally a month before I moved out of Toronto, sort of in the same, we, you know, frequented the same parks. So I was like, oh my God, right. what are so you So he's down there now. That's right. He's yeah. down there. He owns a house in, in T.O. His parents bought one, I yeah. would say, 20 years ago. Gotcha. So he lives there. And uh, Andrew Budko was in that band as well. So, you know, a whole uh, another guy we went to high school, middle school with. Yeah. I actually went to kindergarten with Budko. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. We lived right near each other. We used to play He-Man That's right. together. Went to, like, preschool together. I'm sure you went to all the schools together. Yeah, all, actually, the schools. all the schools. Yeah. Yeah. So I still see that guy. Uh, we lived in T.O. together for a long time. What's he up to these days? Uh, he was just recently working for the Chiefs of Ontario, which is a pan-indigenous uh, group that sort of administers a lot of stuff in southern Ontario, social services, uh, burial reclamation, blah, 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 blah. I don't re- really, you know, I don't know the nitty-gritties of his job, but yeah. he was doing communications for them for a long time, and then uh, they just recently uh, moved back to Ottawa. They just moved to Ottawa a little while ago, and he is uh, looking for a new job, I think. You know, mm-hmm. between between we're raising his kid and his uh, his partner works pretty full time at uh, some sort of health procurement. She, she has a doctor. She's a doctor of some sort, not like a medicine medicine doctor, but like a uh, academic doctorate. Doc- yeah, doctorate, PhD but in in health procurement. So it is like it does. It's still in the doctor sort of. She must have to do a lot of explaining. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, so yeah. you're not like a medical. You don't work in the medical field. Well, I do. Just not. Just, I'm not that kind of. I just can't take the hammer to your knee and test your reflexes, and I don't get the shiny doohickey that goes on my testing wire. reflexes. Like seems like seems like the one thing maybe you could do mm-hmm. without being a medical doctor. Absolutely, and and not get charged for malpractice. <laughs> <laughs> He's got he good reflexes. He me with a rubber hammer. <laughs> so when did you land in TO? Like 
I moved to TO in 2013 is when I moved there. Oh, okay. So a little later than a lot of people. Yeah. You know, a, lot, a lot of Ottawa people migrated I down there. I bumped around for years, you know. Yeah. So I was I always kept a home base at my parents' place. I found it was really convenient to keep a home base at my parents' place. And I only lived there, I'm going to say, like four months of the year. The rest of the time I was either... Uh, you know, I left and I went and I studied in, uh, Italy and France for two years, kind of like that. Uh, so I lived overseas a bunch. I lived in Vancouver off and on for two years doing that stuff back in Ottawa, just sort of bouncing around doing contracts, taking tours, you know, uh, I toured a a lot, a lot, a lot afterwards, not in bands. I did, uh, theater and and puppet shows and stuff. so. So did you, did you start migrating over to the theater? Like right after quitting the band? It, they were actually like sort of starting to overlap gotcha, when the gotcha. band was winding down. So it was an easy out. Well, it just, I, you know, the, I had a revelation, you know, after that six week tour yep. in the States, uh, I'd also done a theater tour before that. And with a theater tour, you get to a city, you set up and then yeah. you get to stay there for two weeks Yeah, and you get to like hang out and get to know it a little bit and get to know the people you're working with in the place that's hosting you. Whereas you know, band tour is like drive, hope you make it in time for sound check, do your sound check if there is one. You know, we're it's punk yeah. rock, so there was no sound check. Show up, play, sounds like shit, uh, sleep under some kid's table where they were supposed to feed you and they're supposed to pay you and then they don't. Yeah. Uh, drive, you know, 21 hours to the next show uh, across the desert, fix a tire in between, you know, drive through the weird, desolate Pacific Northwest. Uh, and it's just like one night, one night, one night, one night, one. And how are you supposed to make any friends? And how are you supposed to like, yeah, actually this is like a community. I'm doing like air fingers, right? Air quotes. Yeah. It's a community. What community? Like, how do you get the to inside know of a van? That's it. Yeah. So it's just you and these four other people that you sometimes love and sometimes want to kick their faces in, you know? Yeah. My last big tour was around the same time as yours. A little later. Mine was in like 2005. Yeah. About five weeks. You know, 30, 30, 39 shows in 37 days. <sighs> just the inside of a van. Yeah. It's, it's you know, just, you don't see anything. You don't feel like you have a life. And I it, saw like nothing. We didn't even have seats in the van. Right. We had, we had two like captain seats in the front for the driver and like the spotter. That's right. And then we just had a mattress in the back Woof. on the floor. Ugh. We didn't even have windows. We were in like a cart, like a cargo van that only had front windows. Ours only had windows on one side. It was an old like Bell service van. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd had a van before that and I stole, when I got rid of it, I took the bench seat out of it and I had the man I bought it for like drill holes in the bottom and like illegally bolt the seat in. Yeah. So we had a bench and then like a weird, you know, loft made of foam, I guess, that we would sleep on and it was... Very no air conditioning, you know what I mean? Like no windows you could open. It was a sweat box, just like I knew another band that had a bell service van. They, I mean, they were very popular. The thing thing about the bell vans was that they were, you know, because they're part of a fleet, they're well well maintained, maintained, you know, so you can buy them with. They always had really low clicks on them, you know. Oh, it's got 80,000 clicks on it, like that's it, you could buy it. It's got 60,000 clicks on it, and you buy it, you know. Uh, and so they were very well serviced and very well maintained. And I was really lucky. The last van I got, uh, was a six cylinder van instead of an eight cylinder van. Yeah. So it still had like lots of power, but it wasn't like a beast to fill with gas. Yeah. The V8s are guzzlers. Yeah. They're guzzlers. You know, I had a V8. Yeah. I mean, you kind of need a V8 if you're carting around, you know, like two stacks, a fridge, a drum kit, which is what we were carting around. But I don't know. We somehow managed to make it work. We yeah. probably had to fill up a little bit more, but it yeah. felt like it was less at each fill up. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
It was good. It was good. I missed that van. Uh, I missed that van a lot. So what'd you study? You studied in like... So I went to university. I have a, I have a BA in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to, um, in the in the fall of 2004, I'm going to say, fall of 2004, I went to Italy and I studied under a Commedia dell'arte master, which is the ancient, uh, ancient, like Renaissance style Italian street comedy. Uh, you know, you get your Harlequin character from there. You get your punch from punch and Judy from there. So mm-hmm. masked comedy, they would travel around, not unlike a band, you know, yeah. set up in the town square and do a funny semi improvised show. That's the, you know, that's the legend of La Commedia dell'arte, right? Yeah. And everyone would have their stock character, you know, their stock, anything, anything you watch that's comedy nowadays, like takes its roots from a lot of that kind of stuff, right? You have stock yeah. characters and sitcoms all the time. The stories are all the same, you know, so-and-so steal something uh, across identities like this, you know, really, really archetypes, archetypes. That's exactly what it is. Right. And so each performer brings their own speciality to it, brings their own sort of personality to it, brings their own gags to it. Uh, you know, there's like always like a comic doctor and no two people play the comic doctor the same way. Right. There's a comic servant and nobody plays the servants the same way. So, uh, I was really intrigued by that. I went and I studied that for a little while, studied some Renaissance dance while I was there, studied some, um, what else did we study? Acrobatics, yoga, that sort of stuff. And then I came home. I lived in Canada for another six, eight months. Uh, cause I'd met another teacher in Halifax that summer who I really liked. And this guy's name is Philippe Golier. He's really like famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's the guy who like Sasha Baron Cohen always credits as being like, this is the guy who taught okay. me how to be funny. Yeah. So I studied with him for three weeks and, uh, then I went to Italy, but he sort of put in my head before I went, he's like, yeah, you shouldn't go to this class in Italy. You should go to see, you should go to my school. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever, old man. And then I went and I studied this course in Italy and it was like cool to be in like, you know, my homeland, quote unquote, like, you know, my, my dad's Italian and to go back and not to go back, to go there for the first time ever and like learn about this ancient culture, you know, tradition that I guess I'm part of, uh, in some way or another. Uh, and then I finished the schooling and I kind of was like, this guy wasn't a great teacher. You know, he knows his shit. He's like, God, like, he's like a huge historical volume, right? An incredible mask maker makes like leather masks and yeah. stuff, but wasn't a great teacher of performance and comedy, which is what I was looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. So I stopped in Paris on the way back. Some of my friends were at his school and he's, you know, I went to see him and he's like, oh, I remember you from Halifax. How did you like your other little school? <laughs> I was like, I hated it. He's like, I told you, you should have come to my school. I was like, okay, I'll come next year. So I went home, I got a job with the Herb and Spice and I just worked my tail off to save up more money to go back to Europe immediately. And then I lived in Paris for a year and I went to, I think Golier is really, uh, famous for is clown. So I went to clown yep. school for mm-hmm. uh, a year. He teaches other kinds of acting, obviously like it's all, it's a full, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like a full curriculum. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, you learn tragedy, you learn melodrama, farce, all that sort of stuff. And he holds clown to the end, right? Everybody is there because they want to learn how to do yeah. clown from the master. Right. right. And he's like, yeah, well you just come you come to the school and you stay the whole year, you pay me all the money and then you get to do the class that you want. So I did that. Uh, that's what I did. And then I came home and I started like working uh, immediately trying to find, you know, funding to develop projects, uh, taking gigs, working, doing silly Shakespeare, doing some clown shows, uh, writing and directing stuff, teaching movement classes, teaching little private workshops. 
and uh, living in Vancouver part of the time. You know, there's a big sort of theater scene going on in Vancouver. So I was doing the trek over there. I would live yeah. out there for four or five months. I had, a, I had a girlfriend out there. So we would, you know, go back and forth. And uh, and then I hooked up with this puppet company. And then I started doing puppets after that. And I did puppets for 10 years. I toured as a puppeteer for 10 years. That was my puppeteer and clown. Like this was a, yeah. it was a kind of a gig where they didn't want Muppet people, you know, I mean, they don't want you to hide and do the puppets. This was a company that like the puppeteers were out in front and they had a silly presence as they did the puppeteering. So mm-hmm. I was a good fit for that sort of stuff. And I gotcha. worked with them for, oh God, 10 years. I toured all over the U.S. and Canada with those guys and uh, met my wife uh, working for them. And what were they called again? They're called the Old Trout Puppet Workshop. Old Trout Puppet Workshop. Yeah. They're based in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, they're... Freaking geniuses. They're great. They're really, really good. So what kind of puppets do they use? They're not, if they're Hmm. anti-Muppet. So these guys are all like about like wood carved puppets, right? Everything is wood and carved all. It's less that now, you know, because uh, I feel like the (laughs) The price of wood, the price of wood, but also like when they were young, they would like carve these things with like power carvers. You know what I mean? Like Dremels and like um, die grinders. Yeah. And uh, somewhere about 10 years into their company, they learned that uh, wood dust is one of the most carcinogenic things on the planet, ah. right? And they were just like, oh, shit, we've been carving these puppets without any masks, without any ventilation, uh, living in the studio at the same time. So there's like wood dust there. Like someone could have lit a cigarette and their whole thing yeah. could have just gone like, Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like you see that at wood mills and stuff. So uh, they slowly have moved away from a lot of their legacy puppets are still wood. But a lot of their newer stuff is like foam and latex and, you know, moving into that sort of stuff. Uh, but they are also really famous for specifically they develop these type of puppets that sit on your head. Okay. So that top of the puppet is here and then its body is like the shirt of the thing is like cut, like gauze that you look through. Uh-huh. And then the arms are here and you manipulate the arms. I'm, I'm like talking to you and this is a radio thing, but whatever. Yeah. So your hands are above your head yeah. manipulating the hands and – the mouth of the thing is like wired to your mouth. So when you speak, yeah. the puppet speaks and then you're like, you know, so the, the, the stage, the puppet stage is like at your head height and then the puppet sits above that. So that was, it was really cool. Or they would build it lower and you'd be on a little like rolling. Uh, now, did it react stool. really well to you speaking normally or did you have to speak kind of like Skeletor? You had to speak like Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> Luck, they didn't do stuff with a lot of dialogue, you know, it was a lot of like, you do like, ah, you know, like a lot gotcha. of gibberish yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. So Peng, that was, Pengu. Pengu. Larva. That's right. That's right. Larval talk. Exactly. Uh, and then I got to help them build a show. Like I got an apprenticeship grant to help them build one of their shows and that was really fun. And then they, you know, I became like one of their touring guys for uh, basically 10 years at the same time I was running my own theater companies and writing and directing my own stuff as well. So it was really like, it was a very busy time period, you yeah. know? And I started working for them in 2010. And then in 2013, I moved to Toronto to try to get some of that film and TV cash. Yeah. Uh, and I got a little bit of it, but not a lot of it. You know, I did a voice in a video game mm-hmm. and I was in a Rogers commercial one summer. And that is kind of the extent of What'd the, you do in the Roger? Was it with that guy who's always looking for service? No, I wasn't with that wasn't guy. That I guy. wish it was. I think I was like right after that guy. Yeah. My bit was just like, we're driving in a car. Maybe you saw it. It was like always on Blue Jays games. 
and um, you know, there'd be a kid in the back. He's like, "Are we there yet?" And I'd be like, oh, "I look out the window, I look at the traffic. I'm like, oh, it's a big traffic jam, right?" I'd be like, oh, "It's gonna be a little while more, bud." And then he's like, "Good," because they got the iPad in the back, yeah. right? Service everywhere. Right, right, yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah, happy yeah, to watch their yeah. their iPad in the back of the car, and that was like the that's the extent of that. Both my brother and sister moved down to Toronto mm-hmm. to you know similar reasons. Yeah, my brother my brother went to. He studied theater yep. at Ryerson. Uh, his final, his like their final unit was clowning. Yeah, I mean, Put your your brother good... has always been a like a top notch talent. You know, even oh, in yeah. high school, yeah, yeah. your brother was like, you're like, oh damn, that kid like is good. He's like actually good. Yeah, you know. Whereas I feel like I'm like not good, uh, but I've just managed to like find niches for myself. Mm. You know, I'm water. I can like fill cracks and stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas your Chad brother- had his, he had his own niche for a while. Yeah. He, he was the guy who would die after five minutes. He <laughs> 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 had a really, really good death reel. Oh, that's going. good. <laughs> <laughs> like, he got his biggest role ever is he got, well, not, not necessarily, not, not necessarily his biggest role, but his biggest movie he got was he was in uh white house down. Oh, with, uh, I love that movie. He's in it. For like one scene, he's he's on the plane and then it blows up. I want to go back and watch that movie now. Yeah, because it's got Jamie Fox as like the like the jive talking president, yeah. right? And, and uh, uh, is it Channing Tatum, Channing yeah, Tatum as yeah. the. And it came out. Of course, that movie gets lost because it came out at the same time as uh, Olympus has fallen. Mm. Right, the Gerard Butler like save the White House one, which was right. like serious, and yeah. then White House Down is a bit more like actiony action comedy. Kinda, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I prefer I prefer that one to. You know, anything with Gerald Butler in it. And then he was also in uh, Mortal Instruments. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lily Collins. Mortal Instruments. Not Mortal Engines. Not the one by by Peter Jackson with the giant rolling cities. Mortal Instruments. Mortal Instruments is about like demons and demon hunters. That's right. Yeah. yeah, It's sort of like. It's a YA series. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit Twilight, a little bit Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, had Lily Collins in it. I, Phil, Phil Collins' daughter. Oh, uh, she's also in uh, Emily in Paris. Yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, he died in like five minutes. He plays the blue-haired demon. Ooh, gets, I'm gonna have to like watch Chad's real now. I have to watch. And then this, he gets uh, stabbed by like a magical sword and turns into a bunch of snakes. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. It's a cool scene. It's oh, cool a cool scene. scene. Yeah. It's, well, it's way better than my career. Then he was Wait. also in a movie with Michael Ironside. Oh, I love Michael Ironside. He's Who's a, Roughnecks? Rat checks, roughnecks. That's from Starship Troopers. That's a good movie. That's a great movie, and he's he's in it. Great movie. He's in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I keep meaning to watch Turbo Kid that he's been in. Have you seen this movie? No. It's like a post-apocalyptic, like Mad Max, except it's kids on BMX bikes. Right. So yeah, and he's like the main bad guy. Of course he is. Yeah, of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Post-apocalyptic bad guy. We don't have a lot of money. Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. And he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> See you at the party, Richter. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So Toronto. And then you left it. Yeah, then you I left, left it, it all behind. I mean, you know, I had a great run in Toronto. I got to say, like, for a lot. I moved down there. I wanted to be, I wanted to become involved in the sketch and improv scene. Yeah. Right. So I went down there and, you know, took workshops and stuff. And I was, I was a, a resident artist at the Bad Dog Comedy Theater for mm-hmm. 
I'm going to say five or six years, you know, and that's really actually how uh, music really started coming back as a thing that I did, right. you know, I'd been puppeteering and clowning and all this kind of stuff. But I found like every time I built a show, every time I created a show, I end up writing, I would end up writing the music for it and playing the music, you know, in the, in the band or playing yeah. the music as one of the characters. And so when I arrived in Toronto, I talked to the, the artistic director of the bad dog and I was like, I want to get on stage. I want to like, you know, play the improvs. And she was like, that's great. I have a thousand people who want to get on stage and play the improvs. Yeah. But I know that you also play music. Yeah. Would you like to be a music director? And I was like, you know, at first I was like insulted, right? Like how, what? No, no, I'm a good actor. Like, let me, let me be funny on the stage and say the funny words. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, this is like a great little niche to do. Yeah. You know, I I got to learn like cool covers. Uh, I got to do like arrangements. I got to do music direction. I would play like improvised music for, uh, improv shows. And then that sort of led, so I started playing guitar that way. And then it sort of led me to like, Oh, well, there's more you can do, actually. You know, I got into synths. I got into programming. I did a bunch of shows where, like, you know, I'd have a bunch of beats preloaded, and I had a bunch of, like, synth patches preloaded, arpeggiators, and you could just, like, you know, samples on, like, a sample pad, and I would, like, start, you know, like, you could, like, put a beat on. You could, like, score along with it a little bit, sort of loop it, you know, hit some samples on it. Was, I was, like, it was, a, a, like, a revelation to me that this is what I can do, Yeah, you know? And so music sort of crept back into... Uh, my skill set. And then I, you know, so since then I've become a sound designer. I'm a music director. I write songs for theater and film, film, whatever they let me very seldom. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, and it was great. And for a long time, you know, I was like, I was getting paid then to be in improv shows, which Mm -hmm. is, that doesn't happen for most people. Most people do improv shows for free. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, I don't ever say anything. I don't ever make any jokes or I make some jokes, you know, in the music, I make jokes. Yeah. Uh, if I make up a song in the show, I make a joke, but I'm not out there being like the star of the show. And yet I'm one of the best paid improvisers in Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's bonkers. You know, yeah. I was working with sketch troops. I was working with, the, it was what a dream, what a dream. And then we got pregnant and, uh, so we had a baby and I was like, I'm going to take some time off. Yeah. We had a baby in November, 2019. And uh, I said, you know, I've been going really, really hard for the past 10, 12 years. I'm going to just like take three months of paternity leave. I'm just not going to take any work. I booked all this stuff up, you know, had a lot saved up. And then literally as I was supposed to return to work in March, the world shut down. Right. So then I just sort of, you know, we lived in, we kind of existed in this liminal space in Toronto for another year and a half. And just sort of, you know, we're like, this is it. We're going to have to get childcare for our kid or we're going to have to, which means that we're both going to have to work way, way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all just going to have, everything's going to have to change. And I like my life the way it is. Like, I like how much I work and I like how fulfilling I find my work, even if it's stressful sometimes. Mm-hmm. And my wife is the same thing. You know, she got a job with the TSO for a little while with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra to just doing like ticketing so that she could get maternity leave and this sort of stuff. And then the maternity leave ended and she's like, I have to go back to work. And you know, everything's still remote. Who knows? The whole world is up in the air. Like at that point, you yeah. know, we'd had vaccines, we'd had this and that, the other thing, but there were still lockdowns going on. It's just like, how long is this going to go on for? We, we have no idea. My parents live in Ottawa. We started looking to get out of Toronto. And so it was like, we're either going to move to Calgary or we're going to move to Ottawa. I didn't really want to move to Calgary. It is economically depressed ever since like oil dried up. Yeah. You know, and, um, Teddy's, my, my wife's parents, her dad works in Kazakhstan, so he's like not even around half of the year. So my parents are retired, so we started looking in Ottawa. 
it was too expensive for us to live there. Yeah. We started looking around, you know, there's some really nice, like really country places to live, but I'm not ready to live country. Yeah. We looked at a lot of those too. You know, you're like, oh, this is, imagine your life. You can have a garden and chickens and the barn could be your studio. But and then you're like, and then who the fuck are you going to hang out with? Yeah. Nobody. And in our business, in the arts and culture business, you need people around you to experience the things that you do. Totally. So going and living off on like a, a farm in Spencerville is just like not going to, it's not going to cut it, man. You know, you have to drive an hour and a half anytime you want to do some semblance of a gig. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. So we started looking around here and that, you know, Smith's Falls just kind of came up and um, it's got a train station. It's got a weed company. It's got a cool music bar. Uh, it's got a water tower. For now. For now. Whoa, is it going to tear it down? They might. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to build a new one. Yeah. But it probably won't be all retro looking like that. No, it probably won't be. That's too bad. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, it was like, it was like we came and we sort of looked at it. We had a little look around and we said, I think this is a good place to start looking for a house. Yep. And we looked and we looked and we found... I have a beautiful house now. I have a, like the most beautiful place I've ever lived and yep. probably ever will live. Uh, I have a beautiful property and a beautiful house and uh, it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. So I live here now. Yeah. Man, so far so good. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of time for it to go downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know if. Probably a, a fair amount about your time here so far because we connected pretty quick. Absolutely helped, helped you move in, and we uh, we catch up uh, almost weekly. I'd say, yeah. You, well, sometimes more, I guess. Sometimes more. Sometimes twice a week. Yeah, depending. Yeah. Especially now. Now it's really nice because I, yeah. you know, you rent this space to me here uh, on Tuesday nights, so yeah. we cross paths and we get to have a little, a little studio chat. time, a studio time, a little uh, open stage time open down stage at Bowie's. Time. Great, it's great. You know, try to get out more on the weekends. We're going to try and get out more on the weekends now. Yep. We're like trying to. You know, you hooked us up with a babysitter, so maybe sort of like try to take advantage of that and, you know, try to strong arm my parents a little bit more to watch their grandkid a bit more and, uh, you know, just try to like be human beings again because yeah. uh, it's been a hard couple of years, man. It's been hard. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah. Still got to come to my house. You haven't been to my house yet. No, I, I thought I've about walking yours. by it the other day. I've been to yours, but uh, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll have to come by. I thought about walking by the other day after the powwow. I was like, I should walk by. And then I was like, he's probably at Russell Street. Yeah, we were, we stayed there till Probably about midnight. Oh, probably on Russell Street? On Russell Street, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Because last time I was there, all the all the tents blew away. Yeah, it was, the weather was much better. Yeah. this A uh, lot more people. They closed the whole street down this time, not just not just the back half. Sexy drag queens. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Very fishy. Drag Were they very fishy? Fishy? Fishy. You, you, do you watch the drag races? Do you watch no, this sort of stuff? No, I'm oh. not like super up. I mean, I watch like... The Birdcage movie. Okay. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's a great movie. Some stuff. La Cajo Fall. Uh, um, well, uh, the the drags have a, a terminology when one looks really like passable as the right as a woman, you know. And uh, that's fishy? That's or fishy. fishy is the opposite? That's fishy. Like, oh, fishy is like they might. They, they could be. They could be a woman. Like right. they are a gotcha. woman. It's like, oh, like, you know, you'll see a, a beautiful yeah. woman and you just be like, there's just, she's a bit fishy. I, you know, like it's, it's gotcha. fishy is this idea of like, I don't know. I don't really know where it comes from. I just know that that's what they say. If you look like really, really spot on. Yeah. You know, I'd say there was one who was a bit fishy. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The rest, uh, 
the rest put on a good show. But that's, they were, I mean, that, and that's not the point of drag right not, anymore. The point of drag is not to not be fishy. Not to be yeah. fishy. It's to be like transformative. Yeah. You know, and be your authentic self. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were being their authentic selves. Yeah. They cer- they certainly looked like they were having a lot of fun. That's good. That's yeah. what it's, that's what's important, man. And then, uh, and then Amber played some music. Yeah. Great. I, so I've yet to see Amber play. I'm really, uh, really. Oh yeah. I guess you bummed. haven't been to a show yet. Eh? Really you've seen her, up. you've seen her at the open stage here and there, but I don't think yeah. that's the same as like what Not she, quite. what she does. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, it, is, it is and it isn't. It's, no. it's a, it's a slice. It's a slice, it's a slice right. of it. But I hear that she's got like the loopings and the, yeah. you know, like really probably very like sonically, uh, f- full, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, it's deceptive. Yeah. You, if you had your eyes closed, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to see only one person on stage. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So what else, you, what, what have you gotten up to in this town that I, that I have not been a part of, that I have not been around for you, you check some places out. What have you checked out? I was going to take you on the big tour. Like we talked about that. I know, this episode, you're the big but, tour. Um, let's see, where have I, where have I gone? Maybe like, this we, is where we plan the tour. That's a good idea. That's yeah. a good idea. We go to Walmart a lot. Yeah. Uh, Canadian tire, mm-hmm. uh, the LCBO. Yeah. Uh, the your independent grocer. Yeah. All uh, the places only Smith Falls can. That's right. All Actually, your independent grocery. They are uh, they're sponsoring this show now. And I'll tell you, that's a great uh, it's a great grocery store. Really, yeah. really nice. Uh, I met uh, I met Dan Andrus just a couple weeks ago. And, okay. Uh, real community supporter, and uh, we quickly came to the to the notion that he would uh, support this show. So that's thanks, great. thanks Dan. Thanks Dan. Yeah. Uh, really, really nice. Uh, so those are the places we go. Uh, Victoria Park. Uh, my kid likes to go where the to the big uh, yellow airplane park. Yeah, uh, but we don't let him play on the play structure because it's broken. Uh, new one's coming soon. I, I can't wait. From what I hear, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I hear there's a new one coming too at um, just on Chambers Street, just north of the tracks, just uh, east mm. of the tracks. Yeah, where the two baseball diamonds are. Uh, the metal man told me about it. Cool. Um, so we go to Lower Reach a lot. Obviously, I go to Lower Reach Park a lot. Uh, where else have I been? I go to Say Two Bakery. Yeah, uh, on the regular. Uh, I try to also sponsoring this show. Oh my god! Yeah. I just like just gonna hit them all. Uh, Wait, what lawyer did you use? Ooh, uh, I don't have a lawyer to buy your house. Oh, uh, you use a lawyer? some guy in Ottawa. Oh, I some see. guy okay. my, my parents. No, you know it's my parents' lawyer. I sort of that's my other sponsor is the lawyer. Oh, uh, who is it? Howard Kelford and Dubois. Uh, I used Howard Kelford and Dubois. <laughs> they were great. Weren't they? <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Excellent customer service. And uh, the gift basket after we moved in was <laughs> Chef's Kiss. ASMR. ASMR. Um. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, I've been to the boat. I've been to the craft, witch actually, yep. uh, great, very friendly, uh, store owner. Uh, she did not have the hard pencils I was looking for when I went in, but, uh, I assume that that is a supply chain issue. Is that like a number one pencil. I don't know. Uh, you know, you have your HB pencil, right? That's your kind of like standard pencil. Yeah. Uh, during the lockdown, I took up, uh, illustration as like a thing, you know, I'm mm-hmm. working on a. I'm working on a, a a puppet show right now, and so uh, I was like, part of what I was doing is like I should, you know, make some drawings of things, you know. So I started to like study a bit of illustration. My mother-in-law is an incredible artist, 
So when she visits, she gives me, you know, drawing lessons and stuff. Uh, so I was just looking for a harder pencil, you know, for, for lines. And then, so I went in, uh, cause I find, I just like, just all gums up for me very yep. quickly. Yep. Uh, she didn't have them, but she said to come back and I just haven't had a chance to come back cause I don't, I'm not drawing anymore cause we're not in a lockdown. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, where else have I gone? I've been to the health food store just beside that, right? What's that one called? The Modern Times. Modern Times. There you go. Yeah. I've been to all three of the weed stores. Where else have I been to? Obviously, I've been to Bowie's, right? I've been to Bowie's a bunch. I've been to uh, the uh, the spa. I went to the spa. I got a massage done there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, was, you told me it was a good massage. Great massage. I've I, never had a massage in my life. Uh, you should get one. Not a proper one, at least. Hey. I had, I had, sorry, yeah, I had one, but it was like a relaxation massage. No, that's bullshit. Don't get that. It stuff. was total bullshit. That's it cost bullshit. like three hundred bucks. No, no. It's at this fancy hotel. Oof. It's like, when is this going to start? Are you just warming me up? And then she's like, I'm done. What? No, no, that's not. I'm not all about that at all. Through the actors union, I used to get like massive reimbursements. Yeah, yeah, the, they're big on massages. Huge and chiropractic and physiotherapies. Yeah. I used to get all this kind of stuff. I did a puppet show. The one of the last puppet shows I did, I had a really heavy headpiece on. Yeah. And the designer had made it so that the sight line of the puppet was a little bit off. So my head was always like slightly inclined. Like my chin would be sort of down towards my neck wearing this really heavy headpiece on my head and I like my shoulders and arms kind of went numb during the the touring of this show so I had yeah. to like get like months of physiotherapy to kind of get that back you know yeah luckily for the actors association it's not a union uh if it was a union you'd have dental anyway <laughs> uh great <laughs> massage here in town great massage uh I forget the RMT's name but uh she knows what she's doing she's very very good I've been to the Arts Hub uh, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I've been to um, I've been to Milano's Pizza uh, a bunch of times. I've been to Boomtown Eatery. Uh, Where'd you get at Boomtown? I love like Boomtown. Oh, so I get uh, I get their Kutu roti, which is okay. very very good, very very spicy. Yep. Uh, I get their butter chicken, which is very very good, and of course I get what you recommended the uh, tandoori chicken, chicken pizza, pizza with uh, with the pineapple on it it's yeah, yeah. just like wow very very good yeah it's my fave very very they good they make a pretty mean poutine too do they really yep well there you, good. Go. there you go so does rocky river cafe okay i have never been to rocky river never been to the vault i've never been to gerbos uh, i've been to the vault it's good yeah yep my wife keeps trying to get us to go to the vault uh but they only open and they're only open until eight uh, so if you're listening to this, uh, guys from the vault, you should be open a, a little bit later cause I can't come at all if it's only open till eight. Just FYI. Uh, I haven't been to the mall that yet though. I haven't been to Settlers Ridge. The brewery's at the mall. I'd love to go to the brewery. And the brewery's nice. Yeah. It's a nice place to hang out. And the roastery too, right? The roastery is right in there too. The roastery is like in the brewery. So I'd love to go there. Um, um, yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah, Jared does his coffee there. Um, there's not, I mean, uh, there'll probably be a growing amount of things in the mall, but the mall is pretty empty still. Yeah. Not sure what's going to happen there. I mean, I, I know f- since, since it's only a matter of time, something's going to move in. Right. So more stores are going to move in. I've been to the, uh, I've been to the pedal and paddle. Uh, oh, have you, have you done a ride? No, I haven't done what? a ride, but I, Bill's oh, brother sold me a canoe recently. Uh, oh, you did get it. I did get it. Yeah. I feel like last time I talked to you. You hadn't. No, I chewed him out. I was like, Bill, <laughs> where's my fucking canoe? 
And, you know, he'd like, oh, lost his mind and, you know, forgot about it. And then he immediately texted his brother while we were in the bar. And uh, as I was leaving, he's like, okay, you want one? He'll give it, sell it to you this week. And nice. I was like, great. So I went over, I picked it up. Just delightful, man. I live right on the river, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so can you tie it up? Like right back? Yeah, I mean, I, I could. I kick it out you of the pull, water. Yeah, I pull, pull it out of the water. I'll bring it to my yard. I don't want people thinking this is like a yeah. communal yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, type canoe, you know? But we... It's like fiberglass? Wood? Fiberglass. Yeah. yeah, fiberglass. Easy to repair, which is what I like about it, yeah. too, you know? Yeah. And uh, we don't need anything crazy. We're not, like, going on, like, portage trips or anything. We just want to, like, pedal down to the locks, you know, paddle up to the other way. And well, Even if you were a fiberglass light, you yeah. know? That's right. Carry that's, it over your that's shoulders what I would as well. portage with. But uh, no, I don't camp at all. I hate that shit. Uh, do not have any tolerance for camping uh, at all. I'm sure a lot of people love it. You can edit that out, this out of the podcast, I guess. If this is going to turn people against me, but fuck camping. <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm a camper. Okay, I'm not offended if somebody doesn't like it. I can totally understand why somebody wouldn't like it. I move. I camp in a trailer. Uh, that's not camping. That's it's like, camping. When people talk about camping, I'm it's on like, a campsite. We're gonna go in a tent and sleep on a twig, and you yeah. know, a raccoon's gonna eat our food. Yeah, they're more hardcore than me, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, no, that's you're 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 like glamping, man. You're glamping. Yeah, we we admit that we yeah. are glamping for sure. Yeah, but it's nice. Like some like there have been some summers where we've we've actually just gotten a campsite pretty close to home. Mm-hmm. Not even on like my vacay. I've, I've just kept working. Yeah. And then instead of going home at the end of the day, I just go to the campsite. That's good. We've got a trailer. It's got a stove. It's got a fridge. I mean, that's more amenities than you're already got, thinking. You've got power. You've got water. Yeah, you know, that's not, that's not <laughs> the camping I'm talking about. It's, it's that's like right. a mobile cottage. I love cottages. You know, I love uh, the idea of a trailer. Like, I've been trailer camping, like uh, trailer hunting as well, which is really fun. Yeah. I'm not going back to a tent. No, no. I just don't do tents. I'm sorry. I don't do tents. Until uh, society crumbles, then we can talk about a, a tent again, you know? Well, but it's not going to keep the zombies out. That's not exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll stay in my brick house. Thank you very much. Chop down the front stairways, all that sort of stuff. You know, I read my World War Z. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of where else I've been. Like, that's, I think that's the extent. Been to the VRL station. Keep meeting, go to the Chinese restaurant out on the edge of town. I'd like to get some Chinese food uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, and I hear there's a new Indian place opening up. There is. Yeah. Sagar? Sagar. 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 We were asking about it the other day to a friend, and she said, oh, no, that's the... We're like, too bad the Indian place is gone. And she's like, no, no, they're, they're going to open up. They just got a bad contractor right. before who skipped town. Yeah, they were supposed to be open a while ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. I would love to get some, like, real Indian food in yeah. me. That would be really... That place used to be the... Uh, it was the KFC. Of course, you can tell by the top, right? Yeah. The, they're very specific in the way they constructed those places. So um, I've been to the the score. You've been yeah. to the score? Oh, yeah. Score's great. Oh, that place is awesome. Some really good finds there. Uh, I've been to the Sew and Save. They fixed my winter coat uh, this year. Hmm. I haven't been there. Lanark Sew and Save. Um, I've been to the Giant Tiger. Oh, I've been to the Giant Tiger so much. <laughs> um yeah, and I cross Old Sly's Lock a lot. Old Sly's Lock yep. is like my that's my jam. You know, that's it. You know, I feel like I know the town. Yeah, like I don't know the town. I don't know anybody here other than you. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, I know all the streets now. I know all the streets. Well, that's good. I can still I can still give you a good, pretty good little tour. Show you good. Oh, yeah? Show you some spots. Cool. Yeah, I like it. There's the uh, Cataraqui Trail. Uh, been on that. Been on the Cataraqui Trail. All right, all right. Been on the trail. I should show you the theater. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've got to get a tour theater, of the theater. Right? I haven't reached out to anybody yet. I'm still getting my bearings. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to be very conscious of being from a big city, you know, being from, but like coming from living in a big city and then moving somewhere smaller, you know, yeah. a bit more insular. And I don't want to get a reputation for stepping on people's toes. I don't want to come here and think that I'm throwing my weight around or something and like trying to tell people that have lived here their whole lives, like, this is what you need. You know, like that's not how to operate. You know, uh, this is what I learned over the, over many mistakes in my yep. life. This is how you, not a good way to operate. So, uh, yeah, I'll be reaching out to the theater soon enough. To yeah. Get you a, want to talk to Catherine yeah. at the theater. There you go. She's, she's the one to talk to. I'd love to she'll get a little be, tour of that Yeah, place. she'd be glad to give you a tour. She's great. I'd love totally, to get a little tour totally of that place. Totally great. Would like to check out the Heritage House, too? I think the Heritage House would yeah, be a dope spot to check out. Neat place. Um, we're going to take my kid there. We'll take my kid to to go there, uh, which would be great. Uh, yeah, that theater is like is beautiful, too, by the way. Like, it's just, you know. You it's look a at great it, theater. You're like, great resource for this town. What is going on here? Highly underused. Yeah, highly, highly underused. Under I mean, it's been COVID. Right, right. So, I mean, of course. Of course. What are you going to do? But uh, yeah, still get back at her. Yeah, get, back at get back at her for sure. Just a beautiful place. We're doing the Christmas show there again this year. Great, yeah, great. You have to come out this year. Of course, I have to come out this year. Yeah, yeah. it's not uh, less fear of catching a virus. Yeah. So, uh, you know, can't wait, can't wait to come out and do that. And then there's the uh, the train museums. Oh Take yeah, so my mom took my there. son to the train museum. I so, haven't gone myself. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then of course we went to the re the restore or the resale store. Uh, the um, real deals, real deal, real deal. Yeah, yeah we went there. Uh, Rito Environmental Action League. That's right. Real. We went there today. It was closed. I would like to go back. I think that that's like that's my type of jam. It's the kind of place you got to go. Once a week. Yeah, because you never know, right? It's probably yeah. a lot of churn, a lot of stuff coming in and going out. Um, I'm currently working. The project I'm currently working on is I've been contracted by another friend who's writing uh, a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the instruments are to be played on instruments made of garbage and discarded mm-hmm. items. So yeah, yeah. Uh, my job that I've been contracted to do is to build some garbage instruments. So I'm looking, anyone who's listening to this, if you have like cool pieces of garbage that you are like, Hey, this might make a good instrument. Get it, Matt. You know, he'll get it. Me, yeah. I'll come and I'll pick it up. I'm looking for anything that'll resonate. Anything that's cool. I'm trying to build like, we're trying to build a diddly bow. We're trying to build a, uh, trying to build some sort of dulcimer. I'm trying to build some sort of like horn, uh, out of refuse, you know, uh, I'm trying to build, um, and so anything with cranks, like an old egg beater or something, I'm just, I'm looking for something like that too. So I'm going to build four or five instruments over the course of the summer. To yeah, I could help you probably with some of that. Yeah, yeah. I got like this old. Uh, it was this '70s lampshade. Oh yeah, but it's like all flanged. It looks Ooh. like the end of a tuba. Beautiful. And I had this part. I had my coworker uh, 3D print me like a a sort of valve sort uh-huh. of like adapter connector. Interesting. So I can jam a kazoo in it yeah and make a giant like horn a kazoo. giant kazoo yeah i have an old trombone and i pulled off the slide and also fastened a kazoo to it so yeah. the kazaxabone is what i call it right. right there's a lot of names for those there's yeah. uh kazoozabone i think kazoozabone is better actually amber plays one called uh kazobo oh it's like a kazoo and an oboe yeah beautiful it's like a, a double wax paper yeah and it's got a horn about like that that big on it and before that she played like one that was like a kazoo but it had like 
an extra sort of mini gramophone sort of horn oh. off off the thing. And that was called a wazoo. A wazoo. That's fun. And what I love about kazoos is that, of course, it's just like all your voice, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. dependent on intonations exactly. and like air releases yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So she has uh, an electric kazoo somewhere too. Really? It's got a pickup in it. Jesus. Yeah. That must be wild. Yeah. I'll run I've that through a, a distortion uh, pedal. I've got a, I've got like a, a garbage like ripped out of the piano harp in my garage. Oh, you're welcome to it. Yeah, I might yeah. come by. I'm gonna come by and check that out. Absolutely. I got a few uh, empty uh, like five gallon water jugs. Great. That's awesome stuff. That's all stuff that I'm yeah. looking for. Like I'm trying to make like you know what a diddly bow is, right? No, I don't know that one. A diddly bow is like you take a bottle. It's like an old. It's like a monocordal zither is what you can also call it. Okay. Uh, so you strap a board down. You get a bottle on it, and then you take essentially like a piece of bailing wire is, and it goes over there. Sometimes they build them with a little pickup in them, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you essentially play it like a slide. Hmm. It's like a like a lap, uh, like a lap steel, but also like a like a Brazilian barambao. Yeah, you know the capoeira instrument, like da dang dang, and you can like you just change bend the, it. Yeah, you bend yeah, it yeah. right, and so that's how the diddly bow kind of yeah works like that. So I'd love to build a yeah, bass yeah. diddly bow. Not Max from Sepultura used to play one of those. Of course, a little bit. of course, yeah. that's like the Roots album. That's right. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the big album. Is Roots the yeah. Roots album? Oh uh, yeah, but my favorite Sepultura song will always be Biotech is Godzilla. It's a good one. That's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Tom Waits had on on one of his albums. He had like a, an instrument maker who like made. I think it was Rain Dogs or something. Oh, probably or it might have been Surface Trombones. Yes, right. That's the one. Because Surface the one. Trombones, yeah. you listen to it and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like, there's here? one instrument featured on that album that's just like a, it's a giant, like ten foot long iron cross <laughs> <laughs> being hit with a hammer. <laughs> of course, of course, that's what he like did. You know. Uh, or you ever hear, you ever listen to Scott Walker? No. You know Scott Walker? The I don't think so. Uh, Scott Walker is wild. He used to be a 60s pop star, essentially. He was part of like the Walker Brothers. Okay. okay. Like, a, you know, harmonies and guitar mm-hmm. trio. And then he just sort of like, after that, went full on sound creator and like uh, all kinds of weird instruments, you know, very, an, an incredible vocalist and like... The music is so esoteric. Sometimes it's unlistenable. You know, he has this one track about Mussolini, like where they killed Mussolini. Mm-hmm. And there's like the whole, you watch the the documentary of it and he wanted the sounds of like flesh being hit. So they brought in a whole side of beef into the yeah. recording studio. Yeah. They had a, they hired a professional boxer to like <laughs> hit the beef. You know, I was like, Oh, I love that. I love like weirdos who really like get yeah. dirty with music. Yeah. You know? I like that stuff. Captain Beefheart. Captain Beefheart. Captain Beefheart. I don't really know Captain Beefheart, but like everyone's like, you'd like Captain Beefheart. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I should probably listen to Captain Beefheart. And then I just put on Kate Bush. So, right. You know, yeah. Uh, or I put on uh, a lot of Kate Bush these days. My kid is really into Kate Bush. So we listen to Kate Bush. A Apparently, lot. everybody's getting back into Kate Bush. I was on it before those kids. Yeah. I was on it before that. I was on Kate Bush before that. Uh, she's one of the people who popularized the Starlight Organ. Which is fascinating. I have her record, The Dreaming. You ever hear that one? I've never really dug into Kate Bush myself. I know uh, the hits. Yeah, you got I know I mean, the, hits. the hits, and her hits are good. Uh, the Dreaming is like the record that she released. I think it's seventy nine, and it's borderline unlistenable. 
Mm. You know, EMI sat on it for two years, just like couldn't find a single, like wouldn't release it. Yeah. Uh, and then right after that, she releases Hounds of Love, which is like, you know, she's like, and now I'm a star. Yeah. So there you go. Kate Bush. Ooh, Kate Bush. Just the best. Just the best. Uh, but Captain Beefheart, I would love to get into some Captain Beefheart. I was really into this band, um, Man Man. Do you know Man Man? Yeah. Anyway, they're crazy. That's a, that's a, that's another crazy band. Like, you know, like one of these like eight to 12 people bands, depending on when you see them. And yeah. A lot of chanting in the band, uh, guys on saxophones and clarinets and brass and then like bass mm-hmm. and guitars. And Lemon Bucket Orchestra. Yeah, a little Lemon Bucket, but like Lemon Bucket is like also like really culturally rooted. And these guys are what I would just say like American white trash. Right. You know, uh, I like, you know, I'm, I can get down with Lemon Bucket Orchestra, I guess, but it's like less my thing, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, my wife is Slavic, so I'm like uh, in Slavic culture now. Yeah, but I don't like get off on Slavic culture, you know, or at least the music in that kind of way. In the same way that I don't like, I don't get off on like Italian culture. It doesn't do it for me. Yeah, you know, I'm North American. I moved to Europe. I lived there for two years, and it the only thing I really learned was that I am not European. And, uh, I can try really hard to like be European, but, and I did, I tried really hard to be European, but I am North American. Mm -hmm. I am Canadian, very specifically from Ontario. That's who I am. And it's cool. It's nice to know that, you know? Yeah. 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 It's good to know who you are. It's good to know who you are. Good to know where you come from. You know, when I think about like my land, like where I come from, Mm -hmm. I think about, you know, the Canadian shield and pine trees and, Nice lakes and stuff, you know. Yeah. I don't think about, you know. I'm sure when my dad thinks about that, he like thinks about where he grew up in Italy. You know, he thinks about the mountain and the pasture or whatever. But not me. I don't think about that stuff. What age did your dad move here? Four. Oh, okay. You know, but it's like, yeah, it's got a nostalgic, you know, fantasy quality for him. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'll bet. You know, I've never been to Europe. I had the chance to go to Ireland, which is my home, yeah, my homeland by blood. But uh, I went on a shitty band tour instead. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of us passed it up. Did yeah, I passed up a lot of tours, trips to Europe uh, to go on shitty band tours. Uh, you know, honestly, yeah, Europe's cool, but it's like it's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that cool. You got any plans in town, like theater-wise or project-wise? You can you can do anything in town. Well, man, I have like a I have a back pocket full of uh, old shows, you know. So yeah. slowly, I will start remounting my shows here. I have a one-man sort of silent clown show that I do, uh, which taps into my uh, immigrant heritage. It's a man waits for a train mm-hmm. that never comes, uh, and he doesn't speak your language, and so he learns your you know he learns snippets from the audience and we sort of share this moment in liminal space together and we become friends until your train comes and takes you away you know so it's cold and clement weather i'll probably remount that i have a uh sci-fi comedy rock show that i do called unbridled futurism yeah that's the one i i saw a lot of posters for like on facebook while you were doing it yeah i I really like flogged that one hard i'm trying to get it turned into a web series as well Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces around there's a a record sitting in the hopper essentially like mostly made that just needs to be 
mixed and released, but it's trying to get all that stuff lined up to do it again. And the world is different. Like I wrote it in 20, between 2017 and 2018 and then toured it for throughout 2018 and 2019. Uh, the last time I played it was February, 2020. Oh, wow. In Ottawa. And then I went back to Toronto, um, a week later, my grandmother died. I came back to Ottawa for her funeral. I went back to Toronto. I worked one day at my coffee shop job, and then the world shut down. And then I woke up, and you know, and it's all different now. So, and I feel like I lost a lot of that momentum too. You know, I know a lot of people got really online during the pandemic. Yeah. I did the full opposite. I just like shut down all my accounts. I just like couldn't handle a newborn child and a pandemic and mm-hmm. social media. Yeah. And, uh, so I lost a lot of momentum in those two years. You know, I wrote a musical during that time that, uh, has just since been kind of scrapped. You know, I've been working on a musical for five years and then I completed it during the pandemic and shopped it to a bunch of people. And it was just like, there's just no interest in this man. Like there's just, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Your songs are good. The story is interesting, but I can't do a, a, a an eight person cast musical. Like we're, yeah. you know, theaters are tapped out. It's yeah probably not going to happen. So that's just like gone. You know, I lost that piece of work. I made a music video. So that's waiting to be released along with the record. And, uh, so eventually I'll do the sci-fi comedy rock show here, uh, somewhere. It needs a rewrite now because of course it was written in 2017 to 2018. Right. And, uh, I'd love it to be a bit more. Is there like current events jokes in it? Or? There is. Absolutely. Right, I yeah. play, um, I play an alternate version of myself. I play Captain Nick DiGaetano, who's from an earth where, um, the Soviets made it to the moon first. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, and also all, uh, it's like this sort of like quasi, um, just like very beautiful earth, you know, very like socialist, very, uh, um, very artistic, you know, like on the earth that I come from, that Captain Nick DiGaetano comes from, uh, scientists are also jazz musicians, you know, uh, the greatest theoretical scientist on earth is Sun Ra, right? So, uh, he, he invents faster than light travel. I'm the first person to travel at the speed of light. I break the faster than light barrier and I find myself, you know, uh, unstuck in reality, uh, and I come back to Earth, and I come back to an Earth that is like what I call garbage Earth, that is like the full polar opposite of the place I come to, very dirty, very stinky, you know. And I come back to an Earth that is in the middle of a pandemic. This is what I wrote like back then, right? I come back, and there's a pandemic, there's lockdowns going on, uh, and I find myself on this Earth. Um, and, you know, and the story goes from there. And so I wrote that before this happened, and then I like performed it like right as this was becoming a thing. And there was like a moments of paranoia during the pandemic where I was like, did I, did I write this into existence? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you're like, no, 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 don't yeah. be so selfish. Don't be so selfish. Like you're, yeah. you didn't do this. It's, this has nothing to do with you. But you know, there's moments where you're like, did I do this? Did I unleash this on the world? I hope not. So I want to just kind of do a little rewrite. You know, there's a little rewrite at the end where I end up on your earth, this earth now, you yeah. know, and I tell you about all the places I've been, but I think it's maybe funnier if I end up back on garbage earth to sort of like, and this earth is actually garbage earth. Right. Right. So a little rewrite to go on there. That's a thing that I'll be doing. Uh, I just wrapped up a run of my children's theater show, Country Shaped Like Stars, which is toured all over Canada and the U.S. Um, at the Children's Festival. We were going to try and do it here, but timing didn't work out. Maybe maybe next year there's a chance that it'll go on tour again. And so I'd love to play it in this town. It's like really beautiful, heartbreaking love story. 
where we the two performers like operate all the lights ourselves. It's like really lo-fi DIY, very very punk rock in a lot of ways kind of theater, you know. Um, and then uh, I would. I haven't decided what I'm doing next. You know, that's sort of like now we're just sort of figuring out what is next. I would love to build a puppet show for this town that's like specific to this town and like uses people from the town and uses their stories. Um, Yeah, I have a, you know, I don't want to say too much about it. uh, Of course, because I can't uh, give too much away. I can't give too much away. And I also don't want to promise and over deliver or like uh, change my mind. And then, you know, someone has to. What I've learned being an artist all these years is like if you want to get something done, tell people that you're going to do it because then they'll like hold you to account. So I'm still in the like uh, figuring out if it's like financially feasible, figuring out like what the whole thing about that is. I just don't want to say anything about it. But if it does happen, it's going to be fucking bonkers and you will be lucky to see it. (laughs) Nice. I'll come. No, you're going to be in it. You don't understand. I'm going to be in it. You'll be in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, You'll be in it. Yeah. I'll Uh, have to come then. I'm really like, I love the idea of trying to take, there's so many talented people who live in Smith's Falls, which I just like figured out like already. There's so many like excellent musicians who live here. There's so many uh, like, there's like artisans and like uh, artist people, you know, like there's people with like construction skills. There's so many talented people in this town. And I love the idea of, finding ways to like really make this uh you know a re- really make a town thing where you use the musicians you know you have a live yeah. orchestra of the musicians in town you have a live you know like uh i'm really i'm really big on now working with like uh in the in the theater that that i create i like to make um so w- when i say theater i'm not talking about like a play i don't like plays i never liked plays that's not what i got involved yeah. with i like spectacle and like uh, happenings and events, you know, so this idea and I, and what I work with a lot now is live music and video incorporated together. So that's yeah. really what I'm trying to, yeah. you know, music video. I grew up on music videos. Like I just watched so many music videos when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Right. Like it was just like, it was the, it was cultural, um, currency. Yeah. You know, you see this video, you see this video, you watch the wedge last night. Did you watch top 40? Uh, music videos like really became an art form while we were teenagers. Totally, you know? totally. Uh, and I love the format of music videos, so I'm trying to take that sort of same frisson that yeah. uh, music videos give you and like put it on stage for you live. You know, happening live in front of you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, uh, I'll admit, I'm not the biggest fan of like normal plays myself. No. I mean, Who is? Well, some people, I guess. Some people, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's never really been for me. Daniel, Daniel Tosh says something about plays that, that really resonated with me. And that's, he says, if I wanted to see real people doing things that were possible, I'd go outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm very much of the mind that like North American audiences specifically are way more immersed in the uh, storytelling languages of film and television and comic books. That's like what we understand. That's our lingua franca. Yeah. This idea of like putting on a play, put on a Shakespeare, put on a, you know, like put on a a Samuel Beckett, you know, this is from like, this is colonialism, like in your brain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's like colonial hangover. Like they do that in Europe. That's their culture. 
They can keep it, you know. When I talk about the, the the reason why I use theater is because of granting bodies. That's the way that I sort of, you know, if I'm just like, yeah, I put on a live things that happen and people do things. There's no way to find funding for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. theater is at least a shorthand that I can use because it's still live people performing in space and time in a, in a, in a live setting in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so the theater that I make is like really different from a lot of the theater that you may have been exposed to in your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably a good strategic move, especially if you're doing stuff that's funny. Yeah. Cause if you br- labels, if you just straight up label yourself comedy, bye bye funding. Well, I tell you, there's a bunch of friends, a bunch of my, a bunch of people I know, uh, I won't call them friends. We're not like, you know, like we don't hang out all the time, but there's a bunch of people in the industry who've been working very hard to have comedy recognized as art. art. You know, yeah. Sandra Badalini from Toronto has been like, this has been like her 10 year crusade essentially to be like, it is art. Yeah. It's not just some dumb shit that people, people work like secondary jobs so that they can be stand up comedians, yeah. you know, like it's real art and like not anybody can just get up and tell a joke. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of, especially in this day and age, it's a lot of risk. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of hard work and like a lot of like falling down and picking yourself up and trying things out and realizing that they don't work and going home and yeah. polishing them. You know, it's, it, it, it's, and it's harder to make people laugh than it is to make people cry. I yeah. think. But I mean, theater, you got those masks, right? That's right. You got the sad one. You get the, the laughing one and you cannot have laughter without tragedy yeah. and you cannot have tragedy without laughter. Yeah. Right. They just like, like a nice handshake yeah. always together. And so, you know, I like incorporate puppets. I incorporate like uh, all kind of things that are larger than life. Uh, wh- 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 when and if this thing that I'm sort of dreaming up happens, it'll be, it'll be cool. You know, I got two sort of things in this vein that like uh, I'm working also on like. A, so the other thing I can tell you about is I'm working on a a sci-fi uh, puppet adventure. That's like a sci-fi video puppet adventure. So none of yeah. it's like, like it's not going to be a puppet show. It'll be like miniatures and dioramas that are like filmed and live projected as the show happens with live actors. Right. So it'll be live actors interacting with like Muppet puppets and, Mm -hmm. uh, all the stunts performed by miniatures and stuff. I think it'll be really, really funny and really, really fun, you know? So we're in the writing process for that. And then this other thing I got going on and then we'll hopefully get the sci-fi comedy rock show up and going again. Um, but you know, we're, we're in a different landscape now, Matt. It's like the touring opportunities have sort of disintegrated. Mm-hmm. The programming opportunities have disintegrated. It's not the same, uh, cultural landscape as it was before. So trying to figure out how to stay relevant and stay all that stuff is really, um, a lot of my life is like preoccupied with just like, how are we going to pay bills this month? Yeah. You know, what do you think are the long term effects from a pandemic on a theater world. Oh, wow. Such as yours. I mean, wow, that's like really. So the theater is the theater. And of course, you see this with live music too, right? All these art forms are uh, predicated on like, we're all going to come together in a dark space and mm. sit close to each other, breathe the same air, and experience a thing in live real time. When you have something that happens, and it's, and this is like a global cultural uh, thing that happened, right? It's a global cultural trauma that has happened to the entire world. We've all experienced the same thing. This thing happens where it's like, it is dangerous to go inside. Mm-hmm. It is dangerous to be in another place with one person, dangerous. 150 other people, 
Oh my God. You know, there's just like the long-term effects are, it's, I had this conversation just a, a week ago with another friend in the industry, you know, and we're just like, maybe it's done. There is a, there is a world, there is a version of this world where no one ever goes to live performance again. You know, that's not happening. That's not true. Yeah. But the theater specifically is this like really specific casualty because it was already so niche before that. Mm-hmm. You weren't, you know, Broadway's a different beast. Listen, we're not talking about Broadway here. We're talking about like indie theater productions, you know, even even a place like Soul Pepper in Toronto, which has got a 300 seat theater. I I don't know that they're going to be able to fill that house anytime soon. You know, and everything in our world functions on razor thin profit margins. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of that stuff implode and go away, you know, but that's also then opportunity for cultural renewal, right? Like you can't have new stuff happen without the old stuff disappearing. So it will be bad and then maybe it will be better. That's my uh, pretty vague prediction for it. Yeah. You know? People want it to come back. We want it to come back, but we also don't want to get sick and go to the hospital, you know? So, and like trying to, trying to mitigate your, the things that you like taught yourself to do to stay safe during this time, you know? And then like the new reality that's sort of hitting you now is like, what do, how do, how do I behave in public? Who am I, who am I hugging? Who am I handshaking with? You know what I mean? Oh, I have a scratchy throat. Should I go out? Like, yeah, I, I I don't see people caring too much anymore. No, they're moving. They're getting back to normal real quick. At this point. Yeah. From from my vantage point. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Sometimes too quick for my liking. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment, but it's, uh, but it also smells to me like people. It's like, uh, this moment of just like, just forget that this happened. I lost two years of my life. Forget that this happened. I don't want to talk about it. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about what they did during the pandemic. You know, nobody wants to talk about like the mental anguish they might've gone through. Nobody wants to talk to about like, yeah, I was locked in a house with my wife and kid, like all the fricking time, like, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, yeah, I had to take the bus every day to work in a mask, like three masks that I had to wear. And then I had to work at a Costco all day. Like, you know, and my coworkers all around me got sick. You know, like yeah. nobody wants to talk about that. And it's it's the same thing that happened after the Second World War. It's the same thing that happens after Vietnam. People don't want to talk about that stuff. Yeah. You know, we come home, we have PTSD essentially from it. I'm not trying to say that the PTSD you have from a pandemic is the same as like yeah. Juno Beach. No, but but I think that I think that I was reading sort of the history of pandemics. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Through it, and it was just it's like. There's so many that have happened. Granted, this one's different. You know, it's it. The we're eight billion people now. You know, the air travel, like everything. We're, we're such a global. It is a disease. It is a disease. It is a virus of mass transit. Yeah. This this pandemic could not have happened 20 years ago. Yeah. It's but, a virus that has know, evolved to be in ventilation, to be yeah. you know, like it's to be carried around by planes. It's evolved to be that way. But, pandemics and health scares and and it's it's part of who we are but when this one hit we're like oh well we oh this has never happened before it's never happened nothing ever happens exactly the same way twice but yes it has but to your point it's like people stop talking about it they don't want to talk about it they don't want to think about it it's like this sort of collective amnesia absolutely you know and that's what we're living through right now is that collective amnesia in a few years time 
people will be ready to talk about it, provided that there are the proper mental health supports, provided that the health care system does not fully collapse, provided that, you know, we're not in, I don't know, some sort of like civil war or something, right? And, and let's not get too dark here about it, but like provided that there is still societal stability, maybe in five years we will be able to talk about it again. You know, but I also, uh, you know, so a lot of the time uh, we talk about like, oh, uh, you know, trauma is great, like for for art, you know, it's a, mm. it spurs great art making. But there's usually great stories that come along with a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah. And the story of like, I made sourdough bread until I shit myself <laughs> is like less interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was just really hard just like doing the same thing every day. Nobody wants to see art like that. Nobody yeah. wants to see like a, I mean, Maybe, you know, maybe there's like a performance artist who's going to do like a cool durational piece. It's like, it's a week and I just live in my apartment and it's called COVID-19 or whatever, you know? Did you watch Bo Burnham's? Yeah, of course yeah. I watched. Everyone watched Bo Burnham. We all yeah. experienced the same. We all watched Tiger King. We all watched Bo Burnham's Inside, you know? Yeah. Uh, I liked Inside. I don't like Bo Burnham. I'm just going to say that like okay. out loud. I don't like yeah. Bo Burnham in his like the stuff that he did before. I can't get over the way he sings it just like really irks me yeah i can see that it has this like musical theater quality that yeah. i just want to you know it makes me grind my teeth but i really liked that inside i thought yeah. it was really really good really clever really uh You're just kind of dark my kind of dark and also my kind of auteurism you know yeah. i i dream of having the time and space to just do a thing and do it all myself. I dream of that sort yeah. of stuff, you yeah. know, and to see someone else who's like uh, definitely more talented than me be able to do that uh, was just, it's just like, I was just like, Oh, that's, this is my type of stuff because I, I see the production around it too. Like yeah. I know the ins and the outs, like what it took to film that, to set up the shot, to write the song, to yeah. craft the bit, to then edit it all together. Like it's very, very inspiring. It's nice to do all that stuff and feel like you painted the painting. That's right. The whole thing. Yeah. That's like a lot of my, a lot of my life and my oeuvre has been about that. Like trying to, I like to do everything, you know, yeah. DIY punk rock taught me DIY. Do yeah, it totally, yourself. Totally, totally. Right. And there's, and, uh, yeah. And you can hire people to do those things. And I have always been in the philosophy as like an organizer that it's like, yeah, you can hire the people to do those things. And it's good to hire people to do those things. Yeah. More collaborators is better. But I won't ask you to do something until I know what the ins and outs of your job are. Mm -hmm. Because I've worked for enough people where they don't know the ins and outs of my job. Yeah. And they put insane demands on you. And you say, you don't know what it takes to edit this piece of audio. You mm -hmm. give me an hour-long podcast to edit. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I need it tomorrow. It's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not, I'm not going to grind away on this until my hair falls out to give you a podcast tomorrow. That's not, that's not possible, you know, but you don't know because you've never opened up a DAW. So, you know, oh, I need this, ed this video edited like yesterday. Yeah. Well, man, you don't know how to use Premiere Pro. So don't tell mm -hmm. me how to do this stuff. Yeah. Don't. You know, so I, I've always been really immersive with that sort of I, like I know how to use a doll. I know how to use an editing suite. I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I know how to build my own puppets and my own props. I know how to make my own costumes. So I absolutely have to. I hate making costumes like that's that's hard stuff. You know, I hate editing. OK, well, you hired me then. I like editing. I think yeah. it's really fun. Uh, you know, Um 
but I won't ask someone to do it until I know. I have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it because sometimes it's like cost is I, like. That's I just. Cost. I don't. I've never trusted anybody else to do it. Yeah, I know the shots. That's right. I'd rather be shooting. Yeah. Than editing. I wish I could just sort of blink my eyes and the end would happen. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because I it, it's in my head. Yeah. It's just all the the time I have to spend to get it out. I probably need to, I need to start composing like shot lists. Yes. That's I don't the, find, like, that's I, the key, I'm, right? like that's the thing about DIY. I find sometimes like you teach yourself, you sometimes miss like certain procedures. Oh that, that yeah. Some people learn that, that make things a lot more efficient. And then by the time I actually learn them, I find like I'm too set in my ways, like, yeah. but I have my process. That's know? right. That's right. Um, yeah, I try to learn best practices. I've tried to learn best practices over time, but it always, you know, it doesn't always work uh, mm-hmm. because also sometimes I'll like, I'll learn best practice, like in the middle of a project and yeah. I'll just be like, oh, I'm not going to start over. So I can do best yeah. practices on this. Forget this. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going. Like this, whatever this muck I made is just going to have to figure my way out of it, you know? But I like that part of the puzzle. For me as an artist, that's part of the fun is like you sometimes create yourself into a corner and mm-hmm. you're like, I have to problem solve my way out of my own labyrinth. And that's fun, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I find like I'm when I create things, I don't I don't like to do too much planning because I can't plan for it anyway. Yep. I don't know how it's going to turn out. That's right. We'll see. I like to allow a lot of room for improvisation, especially yeah. in my performance. Yeah. You know, I like to... Um, but I also, I do try to like be conscious of like, okay, we're going to shoot this thing and I'm going to kind of improvise for 45 minutes. But with my team, I'll be like, okay, we're going to improvise around this funny idea. We're going to improvise around this funny idea and this funny idea and this funny idea. And ideally in my head, right. I can break up these shots into like a mini narrative, these shots into the B story, these shots into the C story. So we can. You know, we're sort of like, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to have a plan, like a little bit of a plan, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes you get inspired in the moment and you just got to like go with it. That's where the best stuff happens. Yeah. That's how I, I do pretty much all my music videos like that. Yeah. I just, and that, I mean, that's born from mainly from just lack of available budget. You know, yeah. that's how it's born. Yeah. Um, and sometimes a band might come to me with like a script or something. I'm like, hold on, wait, <laughs> wait, uh, let's take a look at our budget. Cause that doesn't really allow for script. That's and, right. And That's- writing and revisions and, and actors, you know? Um, but it, like you were mentioning before, like the nineties, like that was eight, eight late eighties, late eighties, like, like oh. early nineties, the music videos from that time period like i put them on on my roku all the time while i'm kicked while i'm cooking just on my my kitchen tv yeah that i have now and i just chili peppers i love the chili peppers videos uh, their their videos were always so good i love their videos. they're just so they're just wacky and random and fun yeah. and inventive and creative and imaginative and what's your favorite chili peppers video <sighs> um I mean, probably, probably my favorite one from back in the day would have been um, uh, Breaking the Girl. Breaking the Girl. Yeah, I really yeah. liked Breaking the Girl. I always I liked, liked the costumes and how they're all yeah. mountain there. And That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I was like, uh, Real Men Don't Kill Coyotes. I don't know that one. It's I don't know the song, okay. but I remember the yeah. video. Like the video is very striking to me. Yeah, you know, it's just like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of um, people could get away with a lot more. I feel back then, like now, we're so prescriptive sometimes. They, Chili Peppers still make pretty badass music videos. Yeah, I saw one the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It could have been five years old. Could have been brand new. Could have been ten years old. I don't know. But right. it was you know more recent than not. I don't even know how to describe it. At one point, Flea's just like sitting in a sink. I love it. You know, just, that's good. I like that stuff. That's funny. I liked when they played the uh, Super Bowl. I don't remember that. You know how they make everybody lip sync on the Super Bowl? Yeah. They didn't want to. They're right. Like, we're a real band. Like, we want to we wanna play. And they were like, no, like, we, we it, cannot it's allow that yeah. risk of failure. It is like, if you don't want to play don't play, but you're not playing for real. Basically. Right. right. That's the story I heard at least. And so they were like, okay, well it's the friggin' super bowl. So we don't want to say no, we don't want to pass this up. So if we have to lip sync, we are going to make a mockery of the whole shit. Oh, I do remember you know? this. And they were like the singing to the wrong side of the mic. Yes. And like, just right. like flapping yeah. their hands with their instruments. Like just yeah, like yeah, clearly not playing, not in sync at all. Just like, that's good. Just do it, guys. Just do it. Just do it. Love it. I love Flea. I think Flea is like such a, a, a an interesting dude. You know, he's so wild. And I love that Frisciante came back to the band after like losing his mind to drugs. Uh, I think that's cool. Yeah, he's back again. Yeah, he's back again. Is yeah. this time like number seven or something? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember when Dave Navarro was in the band and then they made a record with him and then they just like disavowed the whole record and was like yeah. that record doesn't exist anymore. Aeroplane. Yeah. It's my aeroplane. That's right. Yeah. They also did a cover of, uh, was it? Your love is like a roller coaster, baby, baby. Yeah, that was from the uh, Beavis and Butthead soundtrack. Oh, look at Mike. Just like time, just like, you know. Yeah. Oh, I Sold a Squeeze is one of my favorite songs yeah. and videos. Hmm. Because it came out for Coneheads, and there's a yeah. Conehead man in it, but it's actually part of a freak show. Right. You right. know, it's got a real, like, um, what's that movie? You know, Google Gobble, Google Gobble, One of Us, One of Us. Uh, you ever seen that movie, the old movie about, like, the old freak show? It's, like, from the 30s. No. God, it's so good. It's I'll, I'll, I'll remember it someday. Uh, sort of Google Gobble, Google Gobble, One of Us, One of Us. Comes right in there. It's, like, it's all these, you know, people who work in the freak show, and they're, like, yeah. behind the scenes. It's uh and it's got that little pinhead. Yeah, it's got a pinhead in it. It's yeah. got like a little like uh, a little man. And he's like in love with the the diva, the singer. Uh, and there's this really fucked up scene where all the not fucked up, but like just just like slightly off. And they like sit around the table and they do this thing, gobble gobble, one of us, and they like do like a communion, but yeah. like you know, like kind of a mock communion, and they initiate the like the singer woman into their gang. It's yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. That makes sense. Yeah. It sounds familiar to me, but I, th- I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably thinking of like the, uh, a Simpsons spoof. Yeah, of that exactly. Line. One sure. of us. One, one of, of us. us. That's right. Yeah, you've probably seen a Simpsons spoof of it for sure. Um, yeah, I can't remember what its name is now. That's too bad. That's too bad. Good videos. Good videos. I, li- I like all that kind of stuff. I think that music videos were like a huge formational part of my. Uh, my childhood in like teenage years, yeah. you know, 
but then, of course, so uh, tell me, do you ever have this? Can I ask you a question on your podcast? Of course, yeah. So uh, I spend a lot of the 90s, like, deeply in punk rock. Yeah. Right? Like, underwater, uh, immersed in punk rock, records that you couldn't hear on the radio, you know what I mean? Like, trading seven inches and mixtapes with people, like, actively divorced from popular culture. Okay. In a lot of ways, right? And uh, sort of like resurfaced when I went back, when I went to university in the 2000s, like, oh, yeah, this is what pop culture is. Uh, Do you have like, I have essentially like a blind spot. Like, I couldn't tell you what music was out between the years of like 95 and 2000. I don't know. Other than like Mambo number five. Yeah. I don't know what was popular. You know? Yeah. I I probably have a similar blind spot. Um, Probably not as big as what you're describing. Like, I don't remember, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, uh, uh, what, what was the best song that came out in like 95? Uh, were Eagles there by the Misfits? You know, like that's, yeah. that's, that's where my brain is. You know, it's, it ends at Dookie. Dookie comes out. Yeah. Uh, and then I know Mambo number no. five is around cause I think I did like a comedy routine to it during that time. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I started listening to classic rock again in the, in the two thousands after, there was definitely a, a bit of a rock resurgence, I think. I'm yeah. thinking of like, uh, you know, like like a Matchbox 20. Yeah, just uh, absolute know, garbage. I, I liked Matchbox 20. <sighs> okay. Hey, Rob Thomas is a talented dude. Sure. He is. He, sure. Um, the Santana, that was big in the oh, late yeah, 90s. Oh, yeah. That, whole, San, so that whole Santana stuff. That's you right. Know? Yeah. Uh, on the pop side, you know, you had... Britney all through the late oh, no, 90s. Of course I remember Britney all through the uh, 90s. A lot of Pink. A lot uh, of Pink, yeah. A lot of Christina. Yes, I remember. Yeah, okay, Christina. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and then, you know, going into like the 2000s, that's when like... Um, oh, Puffy and Mace, right? Puffy and Mace was around... Late in the, 90s. Late yeah, 90s, yeah, for okay. sure. Puffy yeah. and Mace. Um, there we go. And B.I.G. like went... Had some a lot of mainstream. Hits it's, so, and, and I remember stuff, that, like and, I remember Tupac and I remember um, Biggie. I and remember that, and then Clan, that was like like, uh, like Destiny's Child, right? And the precursor to to Beyonce's career. That's right. That's right. And stuff. Okay. So yeah, I personally don't think that that was a very good time for like like pop music. Yeah, no. I've always had a soft spot for pop music. Like I, I think that like there are times when pop music just gets overtaken by the whole sort of fashion. Yes. Of it. And then there are times when I think people get uh, bored with like the the flashy new thing That's being right. waved in front of them and actually return to the notion of the music being really good. Too. Right, right. Yeah. You know, Backstreet Boys was from that era. Oh yeah, late nineties Backstreet Boys for sure. Because yeah. that's there's like some solid songwriting. They, in, yeah, yeah. The, that's uh, Backstreet Boys Ma- songs. Max Martin. Can't remember the, guy's the guy name. who put He's, the band together is that who it is? Uh, no, there's like one guy who wrote like almost all the Backstreet uh, hits. He wrote half the InSync hits. Like just like so many. That makes so sense. Many, so that makes sense. He he wrote. Is he one of the guys who's yeah. from the what is that? What's that Swedish gang called? Like the the Matrix? I think so. Yeah, I think he's. I'm pretty sure he's Swedish. He was okay. like just like in some like B level Euro, Euro band Aqua. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and like just and then just started writing writing hits like crazy. That's cool. Um, but like Justin Timberlake, like his solo stuff is amazing. Yeah, but I associate that more as like 2000s, right? Like the record that he did with Pharrell doesn't come out until 2002, I'm thinking, 2000, 2001 maybe. 
Maybe it's like the end of the nineties. Uh, just what justified was like early two thousands. And that one was okay. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then the one he did with Timbaland comes out like while I'm in Europe, it comes out in 2005 is when like cry me a river. Yeah. Right. And that, that was a solid record. That's a, a an incredible record, but, um, future sex, future sex, love sounds. Yeah. sounds yeah. And that, but the, his one after that, which is the one after that, uh, it's like a double album. And it's the one with uh, Mirror on it. Oh, yeah. Sweet record. Every song on it is like seven minutes long. Yeah. It's like doesn't fit the pop mold at all, but it's a. But they're like more for clubs, right? They're more for clubs. It's like you can play this seven minute song and people are going to dance the whole way through. I I would play it on Sunday afternoons. Like I just I love that record. Great, great record. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of the 2000s. The 2000s becomes like clear again, mm-hmm. you know, but that whole high school period was just like. I didn't, I didn't, like, I got pretty immersed in metal. Yeah. You got, I love, yeah. I love punk. I mean, yeah. I love the misfits. Thing for me with punk is I just. <laughs> it's a lot of it's bad. <laughs> a lot of it's bad. That's really what it is. A lot of it's bad. Yeah. A lot of it's really bad. Absolutely. You know? And for me, I was like, okay, so I've got. Two Misfits collections. Yeah. I've got Rancid Out Come the Wolves. Great record. What else do I need? Uh, you need some Dead Kennedys. Yeah. I'll throw a little Dead Kennedys you know, in there. Sure. Gotta have... Uh, my favorite record was always Frank and Christ, but um, the one... There's like a compilation one that's also was like just enough to have, you know? It uh, just covers the basis for me. Yeah. You know, there's not... I, I find so many punk bands aren't really doing a lot anything different or unique and there's probably so many people who could totally totally educate me and and defeat that statement i don't know but there's other records gallows that gallows record great britain such an amazing record oh yeah that came out in like 2008 okay and and that it's an amazing record it's amazing if you ever heard that one check it out because that is like I was a big fan so of Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire. Oh, yeah. I was a huge yeah. fan of that record. That's Great like record. one of the like pop sort of, not, it's not pop, I guess, but it's in the pop sphere. That, I mean, like, it's mainstream. It's mainstream, it's, you know, that's one of the things that I remember from that time. I it's pretty really punk, too. It's very punk. Also very good rapping. I mean, it's it's punk from an attitude perspective. Yeah. Musically, and, it's not so punk. But this is, you know, the thing that I learned afterwards when you, you know, you walked away from the music because you're absolutely right. It mostly sucks uh is that punk rock isn't about the music mm-hmm. punk rock's about you know he- heads and and hearts you know yeah brains and hearts that's what it was and guts like that's what it was you know you can be a country music singer and still like you can be billy bragg billy bragg is punk mm-hmm. you know that dude is punk as fuck mm-hmm. you know that's a punk guy um those guys from sonic youth are punk you know mm-hmm. i mean i guess they were still punks then but like they're yeah. not really punk you know yeah Pixies are punk, you know? Yeah. Musically, I gravitated towards the metal. Yes, absolutely. But attitude-wise, I was always like, that's, I like, it was part of the punk scene. Yeah. And I loved, I loved that, you know. Yeah, of course. That sort of, we don't care. We don't care. We don't care. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, man. Because you used to do a lot of Danzig. Uh, Oh, I still love Danzig. still did a lot of Danzig back then. You ever seen him? 
Uh, no, I think I just like look over him, right? Isn't he like super tired? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's up on the stage. <laughs> he wears platform shoes. I saw him. I saw him. I almost, I went to see him. When did I see him? I saw him in like 2008. Oh, okay. First so like, time ever seeing him. Okay. And I kind of wished I didn't go. Yeah, it was probably like past his prime. It was definitely past his prime. Yeah. He's like, he was like, it's just, I don't know. His, he was all thinning yeah. on top. And you know what? I mean, lots of people are thinning on top. That's not really a problem. It's just, he's, he was trying to look 29. I don't like that. You know, he came out, he was wearing like the same kind of shirt he's wearing in like the mother video, like a, some kind of, it's like a shiny tight shirt, but he was Ugh. fat. Yeah. You know, and his gut was sticking out and his hair is like, it was like so jet black that like, you know, that, you know, someone had like spray clubbed yeah, his hair like yeah. before he went on stage. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's this one point where he like in, in the middle of a song, he tried, he, he spit, uh-huh. but it just uh, <laughs> it landed like, on his shirt <laughs> 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 and it stayed there for like three songs. Oh God. I was like, oh, this is uh, this is ruining a lot yeah, for me right now. Really you know, embarrassing like, right now, man. Ruining a lot for me. Um, but then by about halfway through the show, I just, I just let it go. Yeah, you just, just it's, it's just, what it is. Man. I just let it go, and then I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, he didn't have the voice that he once did. No, it's hard to. It's he didn't hard have to the that. didn't have the physique he once did. No, and. Uh, I don't ever remember him in the old footage doing this thing where he holds the microphone like. No, no, that was like one of his. Wasn't that his thing? Like he held it like upside down. I guess, but it was just. He wasn't even singing into it half the time. Do you remember that band Future Islands? I don't think so. Oh, they were like big for like, I'm going to say like they were really big in 2013. They hit it with this like hit and the singer had like Danzig energy. But they they were like, you know, like synthy pop, you know. I know the Lonely Island. I do that. I know, I know the Lonely <laughs> Island as well. Yeah, very good. No, you know that song is like seasons change. No, you know that one. No, That's so good. It was like a Nickelback kind of. No, of a dead no, man it's like band? like it's like it's like got synthy bits to it. Okay. Like it's like really, it's the way I sang it doesn't do it justice. Like he's got a voice like that, but that's not the music that you're hearing. You okay. Know? Uh, Future Islands. Future Islands. I'll I'd, check it out. Yeah, he's getting, the out. singer had like some dancing energy about him. You know, there's a clip when they first were on Letterman, and it's just like he doesn't stop moving, and he's like so intense. He's like a predator on stage, and I can just remember everybody I know being like, "Did you see that band on Letterman? Did you see them?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Hmm. So good." Yeah, Future Islands. He had some dancing energy, and I was like, "Young dancing, very good, very good." We, you know, we need like someone yeah. with energy like that in the world. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish is like, I don't get it. I don't get Billie Eilish. Uh, but I know that a lot of kids like go gaga bonkers for it, you know? And uh, I mean, she's really interesting. Like they're yeah. like her and her brother are like crazy producers, homeschooled, just like make records. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of actually like logic pro tutorials about like how they make their stuff. Yeah. You know, and I love like how sample oriented they are, like getting drum beats that are just like, Oh, I struck a match, you know, or I wanted to like, you know, 
to do a bottle thing and we like used all that. I was like, oh, that's really, that's smart. That's interesting. You know, yeah. I like how they make that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like stuff like that. I like listening to Mark Ronson talk a lot too, yeah. you know, because he's just like, he's all over that kind of stuff. And uh, you think that he's like, sometimes when I hear him talk, I think there's like, oh, does he have like a learning disability or something? But like, he's just, just got, it's because he grew up in England and Jersey. So he's got this like weird accent that just like mushes together. Yeah. And you're just like, I can't understand him half the time, but God, he's a, he's a genius, you know, and he knows how to put stuff together really well. He's like a sample head, you know. I'm, uh, I like listening to him talk about stuff. I like listening to Questlove talk about stuff, you know. All these people who come from like a very different music tradition than me. Yeah. You know, uh, but who make like just full-on bangers all the time. Yeah. You think Billie Eilish has dancing energy? Uh Danzig energy. No, she's got like the opposite. Yeah. But she's got like, I'm just trying to think of like somebody who has like, I don't know, something different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'll give you that too. I guess I, that's where I was going with that. It's I like, like how she's a, so bad. She's always wearing baggy stuff, you know, like she doesn't have to lean into like sexuality and stuff. You know who I think is really dope? Post Malone. Yeah. He's pretty dope. Oh, so good. I was working, uh, I was working at the Scotiabank place in Toronto on the mm-hmm. two nights that he played. It was, I mean, you know, you're like, there's so many young kids here carding, 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 carding. Yeah. But he sounded so good. Yeah. You know, I, uh, like, I'm not the biggest, I don't love the auto tune thing. Sure. I mean, I can it's just, I, I never really have. I get, I get, it's a sound. I yeah. get it. You know, it's a sound. Especially like the pushed auto tune is like, yeah. that's the sound, right? And I think I started paying attention. Actually, I think it was just during the pandemic that I really actually started paying attention to Post Malone after he did that live stream where he covered like Nirvana songs. Oh no, I didn't see that. It was it was awesome. Yeah, because he comes from like a rock and folk background, which is so yeah. wild, you know. Yeah, and it's like there's there's some of those guys out there who I just really like voices. I like yeah. I like real voices. Yeah, you know, it's like it Danzig when Danzig Five came out. I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, like, he's double tracked. He's distorted. I don't want to hear your voice distorted. No. I want to hear your voice. Yeah. You know? Um, so that record took me, I actually years later got into that record cause there's sweet tracks on it. Yeah. It's like what it, the production three is completely for different. Yeah. yeah. It just th- really threw me off. And then there's musicians out there who you think are maybe not good. Yeah. Because they're using that sound. Yeah. But they're using the sound cause they want the sound. That's but right. They actually are good. Yeah, yeah. T-Pain can actually really, really fucking sing. Of course, but he you know? sounds like so many other people, right? The reason why he got into auto-tune is because he's like, I needed something to differentiate yeah. myself, yeah. you know? And then, unfortunately, it becomes your, like, that's your thing now, T-Pain. You don't get to not do auto-tune, you know? Yeah. You don't get to not do that. Um, but Post has got, like, he's got a really interesting voice and a really interesting take on, like, hip hop sort of stuff. You know what I mean? The way he puts his words together is interesting. Uh, Uh, I just started getting into a little more hip hop again. Yeah. I found this guy called, uh, RA, the rugged man. No, I don't know that. That sounds good. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. He's one of the best rappers I've ever, ever had the pleasure of enjoying. Very good. And very, very nineties. Like he originally came out in the nineties, but got like shelved and was just underground for, Oh, he is. It was kind of still underground, but yeah. he's sort of finally making a bit more of a comeback over the past like decade or so. That's cool. I think you'd like him. Let's show him to you. 
Cool. I can't and you'd wait. love his fucking music videos. He's so he's super nineties. He has great fun with shit. You yeah, know, yeah, his yeah. Music videos are great. Oh, I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I've been listening to uh, the hip hop that I sort of get in my head these days. Is uh, uh, no, I haven't listened to a lot of hip hop recently. That's we we just got back on Chance the Rapper recently, which is yeah. like I'm really Chance is interesting to me because he's very very Christian and I'm very very not. Mm. Uh, but I love his music, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I'm listening to a Christian rapper and I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like that. I try to keep my guard, not too high. Yeah. Yeah. Of, you know, of, like, of course. In terms of that. And then in terms of like from, from Billie Eilish to post Malone, it's like, there's, it's so easy to get older and, and just think that new music is shit because you don't understand it. No, no, that's when I first heard Billie Eilish, I was like, what is this? She's just whispering. Yeah. She's not singing. She's just whispering, but maybe there's something here, you know? And I think the tracks are great. And, and it's like, it, I just love the, the chances that yeah. are being taken yeah, in yeah. that. And you can tell, I mean, to me, it sounds like there's probably not a lot of, uh, like classical mu- musical training there. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think maybe her sound- brother plays like a little bit of stuff, but well, that's what I'm saying. Like I know he produces, like he does most of the music and yeah. produces the tracks. It's just like the the stuff that I hear him come up with is not the kind of stuff that I have come to expect from people who are classically trained. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the kind of stuff I have come to expect from people who aren't and yeah. and aren't in those patterns of of playing by those traditional. That's right. Rules, that's right. you know, because some of it's just kind of wacky. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I we should show each other, we should show each other some music. You like Maggie Rogers? I don't know her. Oh, another like folky who went like all kind of EDME stuff, yeah. and uh, she's really she's got a great great voice, beautiful voice, excellent drops, yeah, just like so so tight, so good. I mean, music it moves at the speed of light these days, right? It sure we're does. Not, we're growing up on punk scenes. There was like. Oh, New York punk, East Coast this, at West Coast that. It's You'd be passing global. around records that were it's made in the seventies. You know, we were yeah. passing records around that were made twenty years ago, and being like, "You got to hear this, you got to hear this," you know. And now yeah. it's like, it's all available, and it's it, you know, it's hot for a week, and then it's yeah. gone again. Yeah. You know, sounds uh, sounds of scenes are not bound by geography anymore. That's right. That's right. They're bound by. I don't know. I don't know how you get a, a scene going anymore. You know, I, I, tastes, I, collective tastes across that, that yeah. just sort of resonate and come up, you know, across the world. But they, they, there has to be something about like critical mass that happens too, right? Like there has to be enough people to like watch a show. There has to be enough people like in a certain place to make it viable for you mm-hmm. to tour to that place so that you can make income, right? Like, you know, wh- whether, well, I'm sure you and I could talk about music for another five hours. Yeah, I'm sure that we could. Probably we not will. the focus of this podcast, though. No, this podcast doesn't have too much of a focus, other than being about Smith's Falls. Yeah. I let it go off the rails. Anyway, me and Nick are going to keep talking, folks. Yeah. But uh, you don't get to hear this stuff. We're going to chat more 90s music. Thanks for coming out, man. Hey, we'll thanks keep for talking. But, but, this is great. Yeah, say a, a hello and goodbye to the listeners because. We're at uh, we're at the two hour mark now. Holy shamoly! Yeah, the two hour mark of our, our 
well, little podcast here. Uh, it's been a real pleasure being here. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. Thanks so much. Uh, smash that like button. Hit that subscribe. Yeah, uh, like, subscribe. Big, big, uh, big shout outs to all the sponsors. And, uh, of course, uh, a round of applause for Mr. Matt Connell for putting this thing on. Have me here. Nick D. Gaetano, folks. Woo! And that was my talk with Mr. Nick DiGaetano. What a pleasure it is to have him back in my life and how lucky our town is to have him here with us. Looking forward to many good times ahead with Nick. Thanks for tuning in, folks. One more big thank you to our sponsors, our three season sponsors. This show would not be here this year without Say Two Bakery, Howard Kelford and Dubois, and Andrus Grosser. Show them some love. Show them some love. Bye, friends. Till next time. When we talk about the weather, then we cuddle both together. That's great. What great.